From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about The Brother from Another Planet. It was made in 1984, written and directed by John Sayles. Now it's just a special mention, we got invited second year in a row, Surrey, to the little Planet Science Fiction Festival put together by Sean David Burke here locally in Perth. Uh, and it's a great little fun night. We had a ball, didn't we? It was fantastic. You get to go there, have some food, have a bit of a chat, yeah, watch a right couple of cool movies. Yeah. And this was a great surprise because neither you or I had actually seen it before. So uh, it was a really interesting one to watch. And I, I really think it was great that Sean chose this movie because... It's always good when someone else says, hey, you, you should check out this science fiction film. So I'm really grateful for that experience. It was. It's not a film that I would have picked out. You know, it's 984. It's not a big name that you're going to have heard of. It's not a blockbuster film. It's not something that, you know, like Aliens, where we kind of keep coming back to yeah, and stuff. But, so. but well worth watching. So Definitely. spoiler warning. Yep. Warning, warning. Turn back now if you haven't seen this film and... You probably haven't, so you should. <laughs> should, definitely. And then tune back in and hear what we have to say. Yeah, so A Brother from Another Planet is basically about a mute alien who crashes uh, here in New York City. And he has the appearance of an African-American man. Um, and basically, he's chased by these outer space bounty hunters. Think Men in Black. And we'll come back to that a bit later. Uh, through the streets of Harlem, <laughs> so it's a such a do. unique kind of concept, really. I loved it. I really loved this film. It was. I really liked the fact it was kind of a a gentle, charming but interesting, you know, look at at human life mm. from the point of view of an alien. Yeah, it was a science fiction movie with a bit of heart. Yeah, uh, a bit of story, a bit of message, a bit of fun, uh -huh. and it is—it's a fun movie. Uh, I don't know if you'd necessarily call it a comedy, like because yeah. it's not—I don't think it's written to be comical or to be a comedy, even mm. though it is comical. I think is is the right way I'm trying to say it here. There's kind of comical elements, like the fish out of water. That same fish out of water story, isn't it? Because yeah. you know you have this alien mute alien on the streets of Harlem. And of course, because he's a African-American, he's dealing with the sort of racism elements of that in New York City um, or, or or the refugee kind of theme, which is what John Sayles, the writer and director online, seems to have sort of quoted over the years as saying was the, the sort of point of this was talking about refugees and how they're treated coming to America and stuff. Um, but... There's definitely that fish out of water comedy 
that happens in some scenes, mm. but then it's extremely dark and it's a bit dark and, and in, in other parts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of again, like someone that is a fish out of water, but it's the 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 grimy, the grimy parts of New York City. So, what was your number one takeaway? Sorry, my number one, one takeaway from Brother from Another Planet was uh, not liking whiskey is a sure sign of insanity. <laughs> also, agreed. Agreed. We just don't see enough scenes where people have to hop around. Yeah, hopping's cool, eh? Especially when you lose a foot like he does. <laughs> I, I was really, when I was watching the film, uh, I sort of got taken aback by the, the opening with the hopping around because mm. I suddenly realized, I thought, why does this seem strange? I, I tried to think of any other movie where a, an injured character had to hop in a, you know, a continuous fashion. It's always just like injury and someone might have to hop and hobble and kind of stagger over to something. But then there's generally either they get medical treatment or they get like a crutch or a walking stick, you know, something. Yeah. Whereas this movie had a, a an elongated period, mm. uh, like a whole opening scene of hopping. Hopping. <laughs> and it was peculiar. It, it did... It did waken up, waken the senses. You know, it it, it livened you up and made you consider a, a different outlook. And it was strange. And it was very it was strange, but maybe, in hindsight, maybe it was because he was an alien, and so it's a, whereas as a human, you wouldn't really probably hop when you've just lost a whole foot. No, you would. You know, you would sort of like drag and scrag and pull yourself across the turf and call for help and lean on things. But I do wonder whether, and we, John, John, if you're out there listening to this, John Sales, it'd be good to know. Like, is it was his intention to indicate that then it was because he is an alien, it's a different body, a different experience than us as a human, or was it more to bring in some sort of peculiarness to the film straight away? Because as you said, it was kind of a little bit offsetting that he did mm. hop so much. He hopped around in this in his alien environment, New York City, and he was kind of taken in his environment with one foot. Yeah, it didn't seem to bother him all that much. <laughs> no, but, but then because it grows back, right? So maybe it's not such a bother. Maybe we would just hop around if I've, if we lost a foot and it could just regenerate. Yeah, I suppose so. But tell me, was this hope, warning, or experiment? I'm going for the warm, fuzzy hope. I think ultimately he goes through and he's like a beat. He's a... He's a beacon or an examination of what racism is like, especially maybe for a refugee. And it's funny, this style, and I'll come over it when we go through the plot, this technical aspect that the writer chose to put in this film was so bizarre that we had all these scenes with a mute, right? But it wasn't just then the other characters going, oh, he's a mute, like I should just stop talking. They just talked and talked. There was like all the other characters, talking. endless talking. But then as a filmmaker, it wasn't like he then decided to... Some, some A lot of the scenes, the people talking were off camera. They were then... They weren't even like on camera. So he deliberately stuck with the brother uh, character and what he was going through emotionally and trying to figure out what was happening. And these people were just blah, 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 going on, telling their whole life story or telling some story kind of in the background, right? Like it was such a bizarre, uh, not experiment, it was such a bizarre way of, of showing a scene, visualizing a scene, because it revealed so much about them as a 
character. Yeah, and every character was a character. There, yeah. there was no... Uh, I don't think there were really any just sort of standby, walking through, go mind me, I'm on my way. So no, no. Everyone all... had a story to tell and, yeah. and became yeah. very character characterful. Yes. Is that, is that, characterful? Is that the way? No. Every, every character was a character. Rich, rich character. Rich, rich. <laughs> but I have not actually answered your question. Yeah, it's hopeful. I went off on a little tangent. It's hopeful because all of those characters, I think, as the film progresses, they actually all helped him. They all really sort of stuck their neck out for him multiple times. Um, and and it was quite a realistic sticking their neck out for him because, you know, the people in the bar were kind of wary of him. But then as soon as you had, like, two white men show up, of course, they kind of just stood up for him, you know, as, an, as a fellow black man. Um, Mrs. Carter as well looked after him, looked after him. Again, when those cops kind of thing, when the immigration guys show up, then she says, no, you need to move on because it's not just about me. It's about me and my son. I've got mm. to look up. But, like, maybe go here. You know, like she, everyone in it tried to help him in some way. You know, all of those kind of characters that had those little backstories. Um, even the magician on the tr- on the subway, like, he's nice to him. You know, like, everyone was kind of, genuinely nice to him apart from the drug dealers you know and that that kind of sub story that happens you know he gets robbed and stuff at that one night um and then when he goes up like you know follows the drug dealers sure they're not the nicest uh but all the other humans are, are um trying to help him along his journey i felt so i i think hopeful i yeah, think hope. hope i think it's a, a hopeful experiment because yeah. it is revealing this this view of our world, um, this the storyline storyline is basically hopeful. But yeah, I would I'd push into the experimental grounds a little bit more myself. Yeah. But well, I mean, I I can understand experiment in that. Well, it is that fish out of water. Like you put mm. someone that's obviously not of this place into that place, and suddenly the world seems either comical or like really dark and racist or whatever. And that's the whole point of Fish Out of Water, right? Because the whole point of Fish Out of Water is you put a character in that is so abstract to that world and then it makes you realise some of the like stupid cultural things that we all do, right? It does make me think of all the stupid cultural things I don't do. do. (laughs) I should do. All the things I should do in order to fit in with the other humans. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, all those little... You know, like in the bar, the he's sitting there quiet, and then those like two old guys are like, "Well, he's either a drunk or he's run, he's a criminal. He's a criminal. He's insane, or, or he's, he's insane, or he's yeah. a drunk." Right? That was the three options. Like it wasn't that, and that, and they're just because he's just sitting there like fidgeting and sweating and just sort of kind of like you know, like he's in this weird environment, and it's just funny that then they started justifying, they had that conversation justifying. Well, which one would he be? You know, so it's quite a, um, like, yeah, like when you look at it like that, you're like, well, this guy might just genuinely need help. Like he just, what about going up and saying, hello, how are you going? He might just want a quiet moment. Or he just might need a moment in the, yeah. Just just like when I'm walking through Bunnings and I just want to take in the hardware and tools. Smell that wood. Smell that wood, sorry. I don't need (laughs) Last time I was smelling wood, I had to pay the guy 50 no, Hang on. That was a timber yard. Yeah. 
But that's what they called it anyway. <laughs> Gee, there was some lumber there. Yeah, that's right. So the, I, I, I said earlier this was the first time I'd, I'd ever seen and actually even heard of this film. How about yourself? Are you... Oddly enough, I, yeah, I'd never heard of it until I heard of it. Yep. And then I heard too. of it again. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, like, it was months ago we got the invitation to go on yeah. this, this, um, this screening. Mm. And just after that, I heard another mention of it. And I can't remember. I wanted to go back and look it up. Yeah. Because I remember reading going, oh, that's that movie I'm going to go see that they're talking about. Yeah. I, I cannot for the life of me remember. I mean, it's, it is also one of these funny ones that once you know this and if you Google it, so if you listen to us now and you Google it or you Instagram it or anything like that, all of a sudden you'll find there's a little hub of it. You know mm. what I mean? So it's, it's not anything that's as big as Star Trek or Star Wars fan fiction or, you know, supporters or fans or whatever you want to call it or little communities. But as soon as you actually kind of go online and start looking at this film, you'll realise that it's out there. Like lots of people talk about it. There is these little fan communities. Um, there's people that love it. There's people that kind of homage it. So, which is something that I could totally see as someone that's sort of been into a lot of different film. Um, and especially when you go back to 1970s and 80s horror, which I, I looked at a lot of when I was younger, you come across these movies, like these independent um, horror films, in this case, a science fiction film, and you watch them and you, they blow your mind because they're they're not, they're free of the Hollywood kind of mechanisms of narrative, mm. and and we'll get to that. That what happens at the end of this film is kind of quite open ended. On the night, talking to some of the other people that were at this festival, you know, it was a, it was this type of film. It's a conversation starter because you can't help but see that symbolism of racism of refugee. You can't help but like laugh at some of the moments, but then also some of it's quite like dark and gross as well with the eyeball. I love the eyeball. We'll come back to that. Oh, well, but even just his feet were a bit gross. His feet, yeah, his feet. And they kept focusing on his feet as well, which is I love the feet. In this love movie. the feet, the three, the three toes and the claws, right? And the hobbling, like you said, like, yeah, again, maybe you don't see hopping because it kind of is a bit absurd. But in an independent film like this, they can have a character hop, you know, why not? So it kind of breaks those traditional expectations of of that. And even the fact that he's a mute. I, you can imagine someone in Hollywood going, the main character never says a word. Yeah. Like, well, audience it, is going to hate that. You know, this, like, this is like, definitely a, you know a real I mean? candidate. If you're going to go joy watch a sci-fi movie, this yeah. is one of them. Go in there... Uh, with an open mind, looking to get as much as you can from it. Yeah. Because it will delight you. It is really delightful. That's a great one. On the same night, we watched District 9. Yep. And if you went into this movie with the same idea as District 9, for example, mm. you'd be tremendously disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> but this one's more, uh, if, if you're going to pair it up, it'd be with like The Lobster. Yeah, it would be. You, That's you a might, good pairing. You might watch this and then The Lobster and you mm. get this sort of, Bizarre scenarios of with yeah. outlandish characters, which it's comical, but it's it's not presented yeah. as comical. No, you know, it's it's funny only in its strangeness. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, and you you make a good point there because and we've spoken about this with Lobster. Go back, listen to Lobster episode two. That it's there's a little bit of world building going on, isn't there? Again, mm. which is something that we have to always kind of touch on with science fiction. Is there a world that is bigger than the film? And this film, A Brother from Another Planet, like the Lobster is suddenly like, oh, well, hang on. In The Lobster, you go off and you become an animal if you don't pair up, right? In this, well, yeah, aliens are from outer space. There's bounty hunters. That's yeah. just that's just what it is. And there's, there's, there's alien no, written language. There's and alien written language. There's graffiti. For, for mutes. Yeah. 
oddly enough, yes. <laughs> so it's like world building in that this is happening beyond our everyday knowledge, right? How did that make you feel? I felt delighted. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I felt a little bit... Joyous. A little bit lighter in the, in the um, mind and spirit, if you like. It made a very interesting take on Alien because mm. there's a lot of features in this film, a lot of scenes where aliens are involved where it's real, it, it, the scene is alien mm. and it's the hopping scene partway through that opening. Yeah, it starts off pretty ordinary. A dude sort of crawls out of a wreckage, uh, although due to, I think, budgetary constraints, it yeah. sort of crawls over behind a wall where you imagine his wreckage must be. He crawls over and he's, oh, he's got an injury. He's got blood coming out of his leg, but he, he does a bit of the E.T. glowing hands, heels. When was E.T. written? That's 82? Yeah. Pretty close yeah. to 80 this time. Somewhere in the early 80s. It's popular anyway, this whole healing, glowing thing. So he, he sort of glows and stops the bleeding and you're thinking, okay, this is all pretty, you know, he's had a crash. He's got, you're getting this idea. And then he starts sort of hopping around, just looking fascinated at the yeah. world around him. Hop, 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 hop. And it's really accentuated the fact that he's hopping everywhere. <laughs> and it, it made me go, ah, so weird. Yeah. Because I can't think of any other scene or any other movie where this has happened. Yeah. He is an alien. That's it. And then there's other scenes later on where the men in black, they, they are totally off the planet. They are. They, and the way they act, the way they move, the things they say, totally alien. Like, Clearly, aliens who have seen a photograph of what a human is and mm. then has decided that they can do it. I can pull this off. I'll have a beer on the rocks. Yeah, no. What's the name there? I'll have a beer. And then the other one says, draft. And the first <laughs> one says, on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> totally straight face. Yeah. The bartender serves up draft beer with ice. Yeah. I'm like, weird, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's, it, that's how it made me feel. Uh, in fact, so much so that I had to I had to come up with another, another way of explaining this movie because this is what I'm trying out these days. Mm. Oh, your alternative pitch. The alternative pitch. It's so this, time for an alternative pitch by so, Sari. So this one here is a black man chased by white man kisses a singer, kills a drug dealer before finding happiness riding the subway. <laughs> that is the summary of this film. That's yeah, the that's I, the whole plot. We don't need to do the plot there. there. You, just, I've you just, just explained it. I've just pitched it to the Hollywood executive yeah. who, who goes... And what's the significance of him kissing the singer? <laughs> he likes it. Don't you want to kiss a singer? Come on. <laughs> I mean, she's a good singer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't she's know attractive. that. Kiss, who knows? She could be a good kisser too, but she can yeah. sing. She can sing. Yeah. So anyway, that's that. That's me trying to come up with what this movie is about, mm. whilst being a little bit tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I want to touch on was, like, I, I agree. Delightful, joyous. Inner child stuff is this film, and I think for me, where there's a strong connection is that it feels like a lot of the the movies I watched as a kid. Now, I, d I mean, this film, I think it is rated R. I'm not saying I watched R rated when I was a little kid. Was it? Is it rated R? I, I, I thought when I looked it up, but anyway, it, it it wouldn't have. It wasn't something I watched as a kid, but it had that 80s vibe to it. And by that, I mean like Ghostbusters. Police Academy, E.T., yes. you know, the, these kind of like the, the kind of kid movies I did watch in the 80s, The Lost Boys, it had that same sort of, it just was right in the thick of 80s, you know, even the way that the drugs and the drug dealers and that kind of grimy New York City and the, even the police officer that talks to him, you know, like the, the newbie <laughs> on the beat that has a conversation. Trying a scene, to be cool. Trying hip, to be cool. and The hip cop. Yeah, you know, and... Uh, 
you know, it's it, all of that to me, like I just kind of kept having a little bit of an extra smile creeping across my face as I watched this movie. I think because of that, like I could feel like this was an 80s movie and there's just something a little bit special about that to me. Like it was a little bit inner child happiness. It felt a bit and, like watching Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. But this is the genuine thing. But this is... <laughs> this, this is, is actually thing. 1984. So I, I just, I felt that, and and I said it to a couple of people afterwards, it's like you couldn't make this film today because of how those people are portrayed. Like Stranger Things is a homage to the 80s, but it it it's it's still in the themes of now, right? It's just the setting, it's just the clothing, it's just the haircuts, it's it's all that that makes it 80s, right? But when you look at the the theme of Stranger Things, it's much more modern. Whereas this, no, the theme is from the 80s. It's what people were dealing with in the 80s. And it feels like watching a film like this now, you notice that time difference. But it's also quite um, pivotal, you know, like we've had Black Lives in 2020 and you look back there in 1984 and these guys were still trying to make, you know, these kind of comments about refugees and, and racism in America. And you can say, well, has it changed much since then, you know? And so a film like this can kind of show you that, you know, I mean, it made me think, remember See You Yesterday? Yeah. Where the, the young, you know, the young black people travel back in New York and the police shoot the brother and, you know, and, and it's showing you the racism in a current New York. Well, look, it's still there back in 1984. Like Has it changed? years ago, nearly 40 years ago. 30 yeah. Something yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, but it, so that's the seriousness of it, but definitely the vibe of the film uh, had that feeling. I mean, when he does the eyeball thing and he went, I mean, I don't know what, it's not like I've seen that in another 80s movie, but it's just felt like the well, 80s thing. I think the sort of almost uh, gratuitous way he delights in messing around with his eye socket for <laughs> ages. He does. Before pulling the eyeball out. Mm. And like, it's that, it's that sort of feeling you get that uh, this may have been one of the earlier times of some, because mm. nowadays, in fact, we watched doomsday yeah that was and, and she just she whips her eyeball in and out yeah it's just, it's just a thing she does and yes. it's not uh the only thing that's made special about it is the fact that it's actually a camera that yeah. she controls yeah but in this movie you, you got the feeling that it was like hang on something's happening he's doing something with his face and he's like <laughs> what is he doing oh my god what the yeah. hell is this oh yeah. he's taking his eyeball out yeah. you're like yeah, I've, I've kind of seen that before. But yeah. back then, you hadn't seen that before. No, that's right. And so you got that feeling of, of here's something a bit unusual. Likewise, mm. the healing, the glowing hand. The glowing of the healing. That's probably the and he does thing, it yeah. a couple of times. And that's like back in 84. That was kind of a, ooh. Ooh, yeah, ooh. mystic. Alien we haven't healing. had too much of the E.T. and Cocoon <laughs> yeah. and um, whatever else has also come from that with a bit of a glow and a healing yes. effect yeah. of which there's been numerous. Numerous one, that ones have done that, yeah. But yeah, and I think maybe that's part of it is that a lot of the things that were being shown in the film were like showcased, like, hey, look at this. Mm. Uh, even though it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> here's a here's a jive talking black guy. Like, <laughs> yes, we got Samuel L. Jackson a while ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We but love back, you, Sammy. But it's back in 1984. It's back 10, in 1984. It's, it's 10 years pre-Sammy. Well, when Sammy was just a youngster. That's he's right. just a little bubby. Did you have a favourite scene, sorry? Favourite scene. Oh, look, that first bar scene. 
with with the old dude at the bar mm. talking about germs. Yeah. Space germs Space coming germs. from the satellites, them satellites. But there's not as bad as the Polynesian germs. Yeah. <laughs> Polynesians there got the most germs. Yeah. Know? Really? I I never heard that in particular. But okay. Yeah. If you hey, if you're Polynesian, let us know. Do you think you have the most germs? <laughs> or do you just have better ones? Yeah. Better than, better than everyone. Those Polynesian germs. Sorry. Jeez. Was there anything sci-fi in this film that you really particularly loved? Uh, the eyeball. <laughs> I just thought the eyeball was, was, was absolutely awesome. You um, loved last week's eyeball too. Yeah, I loved it. I, love, I must have a thing for eyeballs. I loved that this eyeball. Like, like, a doomsday eyeball was very electronic, slick, you know, futuristic in that way technologically advanced this one being alien technology or just the way they've evolved as a species was brilliant that you know it was an eyeball and it was all gooey and bloody and pussy yeah so it had this weird messy lump on it but then when he puts it in the pot plant across the street it like was those old school again probably because this one i'm seeing a bit of 80s stuff it's like it felt jim henson-y you know that it's you know like a puppet um, yeah. But it's all gooey and bloody and stuff. Uh, they did it so well. But then, like, you would have thought, like, he can probably watch that from a distance. No, it's a video recording as well. It records <laughs> it. <laughs> it records. And he has to, like, put it back in his head and, like, watch it, watch back the footage. Um, and the footage was all a bit, you know, like, it's missing frames, which I loved. Yeah, sort of time-lapse. Time-lapse, yeah. and it's missed a few frames along the way. So I really liked that. Um, and probably then secondly was him noticing the language uh, on the buildings mm. and how that was kind of like neon glow-in-the-dark graffiti. I thought it was interesting because the first time he noticed it and looked at it, I thought he was just noticing looking at graffiti in general. Yes, because he was taking in everything, right? Until yeah. it was brought up again later yeah. and and then he does his own bit of graffiti. Mm. Yeah, so that was that was quite well done because I, I thought it was just graffiti. Uh, it turns out it wasn't just mm. graffiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Um, so any science fiction, creative stuff that you've been up to? Yeah, I've started writing my series Bible. Nice. For, uh, as I said, this, I don't know if it's got a working title yet, but mm -hmm. working title of working title. No, it's <laughs> pretty, that's old-fashioned, that is. It is. Yes, but it, it's... Uh, it's yeah, series Bible. So series Bible, of course, being kind of, it, it can be anything from a, a full scene by, or sort of episode by episode outline of a yep. season, or in this case, it's more uh, sort of a bit of an outline of the world and the characters, what what the sort of story is going to be like later. Uh, because I, I'm writing a pilot episode, which right. I think you call it a speculative pilot. Yeah. In that, no one's asked me to do it, so yep. it would just be me writing it. Chucking it, script, chuck it online and um, letting people enjoy it, yep. I guess. Send it off to Netflix. Send it off to Netflix. Um, but you apparently it's very handy to have this uh, series Bible show. Well, just because if someone does read your script, there you go. I love it. Apparently, there are people who just write one-off pilot scripts with no particular notion of what else might happen. It's just like a purely speculative one, as, as in... I'm just going to write something that's kind of cool. An alien crashes on Earth and yeah. wanders around. And then 1984. I guess someone else might it might get picked up or not. Yeah. But the the Bible, as they call it, the series Bible, is one to sort of let you show that 
here's the sort of direction it could go in, mm. what you imagine a larger season of this might be, and what and what future seasons might be available. Yeah. If that's that's it. Uh, but I'm using the Stranger Things as a bit of a guide on that, where they say it's basically Stranger Things. Right up front, it says this is a a supernatural horror epic in an uh, an eight hour supernatural horror epic, and they make it sort of clear they sort of uh, say this will be done in one set of eight episodes, yeah. And because it's like this, we can probably get movie actors in, and they got Winona Ryder in, yeah. for example, and they then, however, later on in, in this bowl, sort of say. What else could come out of this? Oh, there's, there's another, you know, three or four stories that could come out of this. And we're thinking that originally they thought that season two would be uh, set during the 90s. Mm. So a 90s revival of, they were saying why the Stranger Things was 80s, it'd be the 90s. And kind of a bit like um, a couple of Stephen King books. I guess it was one of them, but also... Yeah. Uh, the what's the Langoliers or no, no, which one is it? The anyway, it's it's oh, he's got a couple of these stories where it's about the kids and they and come they back, grow up, yeah, and they, they come back and have to deal with stuff, and yeah, so that was the idea. And they pointed out with this, of course, you could have new actors, yeah, you wouldn't have to have the same ones because if you went out and forked out a bunch for you know, big, bigger names, recognizable names, and in the second season, you have new people. Yeah. And I do like that approach myself. I I think more shows should do something along those lines. Like, uh, have you ever seen an American horror film, horror story? I've never seen each, it, but I know all of it. Each season yeah. is kind is of its new own. People. Yeah. And they've got some follower, carryover actors, but they're entirely different characters. Mm. Uh, but it's a new story each season. But anyway... There you go. So that's that's what I've been doing. I've been putting that together. Um, it, it's an interesting idea, that isn't it? Because instead of making one season and you have all these unknown actors, for example, and then suddenly the show explodes, and then so second season you have to pay those actors a shitload more money. Yeah. <laughs> that that option you're talking about, it's almost like, well, yeah, if the show explodes, we've got our fans; they'll come back and watch season two. But we don't need to pay the actors. We can get a whole bunch of new actors that we don't need to pay them much money. Well, <laughs> I think also an important point on that is you can expand in entirely different you, yeah. themes and ideas. Yeah. Because one of the problems you have, and Stranger Things, season two and three are pretty good, but there's still that sort of problem of like, okay, you've done number one. Yeah. It's been the 80s revival. You've seen the ET references, yeah. the alien references, and the Close Encounters references and so forth. And then season two and season three, and you're kind of going, this is going to get tired yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. In fact, I'm wondering season four, are we starting to really stretch this whole concept? The whole concept of the 80s yeah. is being stretched, but it'd be good to you know, freshen up and go, okay, mm. we've done this 80s revival. I like the idea of doing the, the 90s yeah, thing yeah. Uh, um, because otherwise you get stuck on this and now we've got to, draw this storyline out though. so they didn't really solve anything this, in last season now they're going to solve something else which they don't yeah. really solve Yeah, and you go down the path of Lost and the yeah. Lost series Bible they outright said they've got no plan the idea is that each episode would be kind of a standalone episode never solving anything <laughs> they actually say it in the Bible that they're, mm. they're not going to do it and each season will just kind of be mystery upon mystery yeah. and the real story is just looking at these characters' lives 
Yeah. Unfortunately, everyone kind of went, no, we don't want that. We want to know what half of this crap is. And so they mm. hobbled together some garbage. I don't know. I watched season one, two, and half of three, and then the second half of the last one. And that all makes sense. Forget everything <laughs> in between. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, there you go. So I'm putting this Bible together, a bit of a breakdown of, of characters and story where it could go. And then I'm going to, I'm going to try to write a script. Yeah. So that's interesting. So there's going to be visual direction, you know, stage direction, if you like, uh, as well as dialogue and some action um, descriptions, which I haven't had to do all of those things before. I had to do dialogue, obviously. And I've had to do some narration, which is kind of similar. And certainly when you're writing prose fiction, you set, you know, write scene setting. Yeah. But... Yeah, I haven't had to put these things together in this particular fashion. So it'll be interesting experiment to see how it all works out. Yeah, definitely. Sounds awesome. Yeah, you'll be able to, uh, when I finish, I'll put it up somewhere and yeah, people can pay me a million dollars. I mean, read it and have fun. <laughs> yes, definitely. And how about you? Anything further there? Uh, well, yeah, just the my short film, I'm going to, I'm pushing ahead with that. So it's just in that pre-production sort of stage now. Um, so yeah, just kind of right at the beginning of that. So that's exciting. So the plan will be to kind of shoot that in a couple of probably two months, maybe from here. So that will be exciting. Get that kind of rolling. And then the other thing is just the local Mandra film net film network that, um, I'm kind of part of. I just also want to put that together with kind of people creating something. Mm. So I want to, I want to, I mean, yeah, there's not much point saying the details of that here, but it's just, yeah, I'm going to try to bring those people together and actually get them to make something. So that's going to be happening hopefully in a couple of weeks. That's going to be the plan for that. That's great. Yeah. And, and of course, Space Brains Productions is now... So I was a, going to say, yeah. ...a business registered. Yep. And we can move ahead now with our full branding. Yeah. In preparation for amazing productions i guess yes. by space brands <laughs> we're going to be putting on a song and dance at some point it's, aren't we sorry it's going to be about science fiction it's going yeah. to be about movies it's going to be about creating uh inspiring yeah stories and things and supporting other people to make their project yes because so that's i mean ultimately i'm selfish and i just want other people to make good movies for me mm. yes yeah, so maybe we maybe space brains productions can make that happen possibly <laughs> but anyway yeah there'll be some bigger announcements with what we're going to be doing with that coming soon, very soon. Um, we're taking that very serious, aren't we? Sam? Yes. Official meetings. And the, and the reason why we don't go too much because we haven't yet figured out exactly. <laughs> well, you know, be premature. To hey, we it. signed the business. We got the domain. Pretty big ticks. I'm, ju- I'm just waiting for the time traveling selves to come back in a you know, phone box and tell us that we are the saviors of humanity, but we have to do a live presentation of Space Brains to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Excellent. (laughs) So let's get into some more details of the film and the plot. I'm going to just kind of get struck into it, struck into it, stuck into it. Uh, main thing here is John Sales. Let's talk a little bit about John Sales. Now, after the film, you said to me straight away, he's one of the men in black. He is. He's one of he's the, one of the agents, right? And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Because, again, I knew nothing. I didn't really do much Googling before watching this film. Again, just going in with a positive attitude and just having a look at it. Uh, interesting, if you look him up, he's 
made a bucket load of films. This is a filmmaker. He's a working filmmaker, this dude. He's been around um, making films since the mid-70s as a scriptwriter and a director and also other roles, producing, etc., and acting. But, yeah, it's quite impressive. I mean, you talk about you, like, wanting to make a script. Well, you need to just get John on the phone. This guy has written a lot of scripts. He's probably already which, made mine. Yeah, which, which, has, which have been made. Like, this isn't someone that's just you know, putting scripts on the internet. This is like me. <laughs> he's actually made a bucket load. And um, in the late, in the mid seventies, early eighties, he's actually uh, credited. Uh, he worked with Joe Dante director on quite a few of those seventies, 80 horrors. And um, a couple of ones stand out. Actually, his first script was the Piranha movie. Oh, Piranha. Okay. Really? Like the original one, like this is 1975. Is that, is that one with, um, who was it? Is it with Roger Moore in that one? No. Why do I think there was a or Sean Connery, a young Sean Connery, or a, I think maybe, I think that maybe. Piranha had a, a James Bond. Yeah, it might have, it might have, but it, yeah, I just he said so Roger, Piranha, Moore. Roger, Roger Moore, I, I think Roger I think, Moore yeah, is might it, be yeah. Roger Moore. Um, but anyway, IMDb that you know fact check us. <laughs> yeah. Roger Moore, uh, yeah, <laughs> or when ask him, you ask me, talk to me. Um, but anyway, Piranha, The Howling, Alligator, they're all ones that I've seen, you know, late yes. 70s, early 80s. I am Alligator. Alligator, he, he's, he's uh, what, a little tiny alligator flushed down the, uh, the toilet. Down and the then, toilet. But then he eats, um, uh, it's drugs that are flushed down the toilet from a science lab. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that are special it's, drugs and <laughs> makes him really big. Makes him really big. Um, so, but this kind of and and there's others there, but I just wanted to mention those ones because I think and the howling, the howling. You know, this is one that terrified me uh, uh, when I was quite. young. I got nightmares when yeah, I was just a little too. kitty just from the um, promo of the howling I mm. saw on some other movie. It's the one that you know it's gone on and made. I mean, made numerous uh, sequels. Have you seen the Howling in Australia? Marsupials? No. Like the marsupial werewolves. Oh, really? Yes. No, I have not seen that one. That's it's, a real really CD <laughs> grade sort of sounding movie. But need need to check I mean, that it's, out. It's good because the premise is marsupial werewolves in Australia. Yeah, right. It's not good in that they had like fifty bucks in a weekend of film. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It, that might have been one of those in the 80s in australia you could claim the total cost of a film on your tax if you were like like a lawyer or anything so suddenly in the 80s this is what we got told at film school in the 80s there was this huge amount like even a lawyer in perth who was like pay you know high paid lawyer uh took a film crew to rottness and made a film where he was like the action star you know and it costs like he spent like a million dollars on it or whatever right and it's just this Terrible movie uh, because there's no script or anything, and he just wanted to be an action star and it was a tax write off, right? So, and we're all going there. Oh, yeah, the government should do that again. We employ all us filmmakers to make terrible movies, you know? So uh, now it's a 30, you get a, the producer's offset is a 30% tax write off. So, which is why Hollywood can come, you know, it's an incentive more for Hollywood because you take Thor and it's $100 million, well, they get $30 million back, right? If they make it in Australia. So it's an incentive. And many countries do that and, and states and stuff. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to touch on John Sayles. He's a real working filmmaker, scriptwriter, and you can go there. He's also in the 80s. He made um, this one, Brother from Another Planet. Uh, interesting. He took, I don't know uh, exactly the details, but he got a 
some sort of art grant of $350,000. And he just took that and paid for this film. Nice. So it was just, he just took that whole grant. I don't know if he was supposed to or not, but he just poured it into this script. Um, so obviously he couldn't get anyone to make this maybe out or he just wanted to make it. And again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, what gave him a lot of freedom, indie freedom that he could just make. It would have been a hard sell to go to a, you know, Paramount Pictures and say, I want to make this film. Mm. Paramount Pictures would sort of say, okay, so tell me the tagline. Your tagline. Uh, yeah, so this guy gets chased by some other guys, kisses someone and then kills someone and then rides a subway. <laughs> no, I guess. That's a hard no. That's a hard He pulls his eyeball out. Yeah, that's like, cool. Anyway, so look him up. He's, he, there's films in there I've never heard of, but he's been making stuff all the way up until recently. So still making stuff today. So yeah, good on him. Um, the other thing is just, I mean, the film's full of a lot of characters and going back uh, actors playing those characters we talked about as well. And there's a couple in there that are super recognizable, aren't there? Isn't there? Yes. Um, but they're not names that you would recognize. No, <laughs> I, I couldn't call like, any of the names, but I'm going, I swear I've seen them. Yeah. And as, they, as the same sort of character in other movies. Yeah. Like, you know, movies. so it's interesting that way. But the one to talk about, of course, is, um, Joe Morton. Uh, he, of course, as you said straight away to me after the film, uh, he's the guy that they break in. He's mate. He's got the Terminator claw and the yeah. hand, and he like melts it or whatever, so that the future doesn't happen, but it still does. Um, that's obviously a famous scene from Terminator Two. He's in there, but it's uh, sorry if that spoils it. For <laughs> a spoiler. Uh, but but he's also been in a bucket load. He's he's kind of like John in that he's a real working man actor. You go on, then he's like. 175 credits of acting, you know, from 1970 to today. Uh, he's been in a couple of really big TV shows like LA Law. Um, and, oh, no, not LA Law. Uh, it's uh, Law and Order, sorry, Law, Law and, and Order. Order. Um, and recently he's been in a couple of ones, Eureka, which is a science fiction TV show, actually. I think it went for about seven years. He was, he was he, all the episodes of that he was part of. Um, and another show that I think's a bit more of a lawyer show called Scandal. I don't really know much about it, but again, he's on that for 70 episodes or something. So, and there's films dotted all the way through throughout his career. So Joe Morton plays the mute really well in this. I thought the brother, the brother from another planet. <laughs> and he doesn't blow up any buildings. No, no, he doesn't. So you've mentioned this hopping. Let's talk about the start of this film and go through some of those plot points. Sorry. So the start, I think you're completely right. We have a non-budget start where there's a alien crash landing on Earth. And we just basically, it's kind of like an astronaut, isn't it? In a spaceship shaking and wobbling and all that kind yeah. of thing. And then, and then we hear like a big splash, explosion sort of noises. We just we see like a shooting star. Shooting over star, New York. Yeah, yeah, over New York. Um, and then we get him kind of clambering out of the, is it the Hudson River? Is that what it's called in New York? Or right. the ocean part? I'm not too sure. There's some water there. There's water. And there's like the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And there's a, well, I want to just touch on that. There's such a great shot. You're talking about this hopping. He kind of hops out and he's hopping along. Getting It's like he's getting, for the first five minutes of this film, he's getting his bearings, right? And it's like, so they sort of, there's a moment he climbs out of the water, I think, and you see the New York skyline. You've seen the, the Twin Towers. Always, always interesting to see Certainly. them in the old films. D- dates um, a film, but also they, they were so iconic. They were so iconic. All the old New York films had, that was a big thing, right? New York, right? And then the next thing is he like kind of turns around and I think he maybe sits down a little bit on a bench 
And there's a great shot, low angle looking up, where the Statue of Liberty's kind of out of focus mm. and in focus, but it's behind him. So because that's the the Ellis Island Immigration Port, yes, which has got that famous plaque about if you're not born in America, go home. We don't want you. Yeah. No, it says the exact opposite of that, regardless of how many walls people want to build. Mm. Uh, and so it's it's sort of, I, I think, it's still one of those, um, I guess, slightly ironic sentiments in that everyone loves it because it, it says, you know, give us your huddled masses, you're weary and so forth, and yeah. we'll, we'll give them opportunity. I'm paraphrasing. But then at the same time, uh, national policy, and this is not just America. No, yeah, no. This, is, this is most nations. Most countries, yeah. Have a general policy of not being particularly welcoming mm. there's kind of a, a fear of mm. new people coming in and Correct. taking jobs Invading or hordes reducing our standard quality of living or, or yeah. doing something dreadful yeah despite the fact that uh the united states like australia and mm. like a, a number of these these countries are made up of people who have come from other places yeah of course and you know trample on the poor old native people who are sort of going go back to where you came from it's <laughs> like we can't. It's too late. Yeah. So you're right. The Statue of Liberty is kind of an... Well, it's liberty, it's freedom, right? So it's supposed to be a symbol of kind of US, come here, we'll look after you. But then in modern day, 1984, it's like, no, don't come here. There's there's a lot of paperwork you have to fill out. Now yeah, it's, yeah, it's complications. <laughs> it's it's, it's too know. much. Look, I don't mind if you come here, but you've got to fill out these forms and show me some ID and... Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he, he wanders around. It's a great shop, as I said. A great shot. Shop. Shot. And uh, he um, is pretty... He, he's kind of um, very quickly... You kind of feel him for him, like, as I said, fish out of water or a bit more like like a child. That's kind of what it's a bit like, like a child wandering yeah, the street of New because York. Because he's like, not speaking at he's all. He's not speaking. He's, he's not really... He uses a lot of facial expressions. Yeah. Which is more childlike. Yeah. Adults have, well, I guess, in general, we as adults tend to use our faces less communicatively because we can talk. Yeah. And because we've learned to show a bit of reserve to judge things before we jump in. Hmm. But yeah, he's he's like, you know, his eyes go wide and he frowns, he looks left and right, he yeah. sort of hops around, he looks at things really he's oddly and closely. He's quite alarmed by what it, but that's what I mean, it's a, yeah. bit like, it's a bit like if you did, I mean, our kids can be, you know, they can climb up the top of the roof of your house and throw tiles off and jump off brave, but then if you actually dropped them off in the city at night, they'd probably kind of shit their pants a bit, wouldn't they? You or know, ask like, them to go up and pay for something Yeah, they suddenly like can freak out, you know, it's like, yeah. You, you so, want me to walk up to a counter and hand money? To that to person someone? over there, I don't know that person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather do something safe, like like jump off the roof of a shed. Yeah. So both are examples about jumping off high places. Yeah, well, you know, we've all <laughs> we've all either been there or seen it. So. Yeah. So he's a, he's like that to me. He's like a child. So you kind of feel for him. You're quite empathetic or sympathetic to his cause pretty quickly. I think. Plus, he's hopping. He's got one foot. Um, yeah, but, I may may have something. It totally disarms him. Yeah. He doesn't look at all threatening. No. Because he's no. hopping about the place. Yeah. You can't look threatening while you're hopping. No. And this is the other thing is he doesn't seem to have any technology with him. He doesn't have any weaponry. He doesn't have any sort of sophisticated, you know, uh, you know, tools or anything that could just like, you know, if a police officer comes up, disarm him or rob someone or attack someone or anything. You take the Terminator. I mean, when the Terminator rocks up naked... 
you know, very quickly, what, what are we showing with the Terminator, apart from Arnold Schwarzenegger's na- naked body, is that, well, he's a physically strong, huge, muscly, freakishly big dude. And right? he's, unex- he's expressionless, so he doesn't he have that childlike. So, no, just, he doesn't. He's more analytical. cold. Yeah, and yeah. analytical. And, uh, you know, very quickly beats up guys and takes their clothes and their motorbikes and their weapons and bam, you know. So, you know, he's not mucking around. So it's a very different... I know he's not an alien, but it's kind of a similar thing of someone showing up in that. Yeah, in the original world. script of James Cameron, he first of all wanted to have it set in the future of the alien, the, the Terminator Wars, mm. but then he had the time travel back, and then he was going to have Arnie hop into the bar. Right. <laughs> With one foot. No, 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 he wasn't. <laughs> and fix it up. The first bit was true, but the second bit not yeah. so true. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's walking around these bewildered, he's childlike, whatever. He's trying to make sense. He's also, there's this kind of baffling thing, which it's not quite clear in the in the opening bit, but it's it's kind of like he can hear things and feel things. Mm, he's got that and, physical empathy. Too. I mean, my interpretation of it, again, it's, it, it is a bit open to interpretation. My interpretation was it, it seemed like some sort of past horrors that because it was kind of like you'd touch a wall and it was screams or panicked you know, running or footsteps or, you know, and, and or someone shouting or something. So it seemed like to me, like he was picking up on some sort of like, maybe at this tunnel or this side of this building, someone got shot. And so he's like picking up on the fact of someone like dying or something. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, it was like that. It's that psychic power that they have, you know, they touch an object and they yeah. get uh, emotional imprints. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the impression I was getting because he, he first of all touches. He's getting a story in, from an object uh, at the Ellis Island um, refugee immigration center. Yeah. Whatever it is, like it's abandoned. It's yeah. it's not used anymore. Mm. And he leans up against it, and he hears like a mother calling to a child or something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and then later on, he goes down the subway and he touches the wall and he screams. And the yeah. train coming, and he looks at the train tracks, and he freaks out. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got that feeling. It was like picking up on. Uh, uh, strong emotional cues left yeah. behind. It was great use of some eerie sound effects, you know, telling a story just through the sound effects. I, th- I thought that was really cool. Um, anyway, he goes along a street near near one of those big iconic New York bridges. His foot has grown back and he's got these feet with three toes. They're hairy claws. He's got these weird-ass looking gross claw <laughs> things. <laughs> My wife would be like, cut those bloody toenails. Cut those Get toenails. They're too free. You're not coming to bed tonight, buddy, with that, those toenails cut. Um, and then he kind of manages to uh, get a shoe from the bin or, or, or something. Yeah, like he gets he a hobbles, couple of shoes. A couple of different shoes, puts them on. Um, and then the city is kind of coming to live, isn't it? It's like the early morning um, and he's wandering around. There's like a deli fruit market kind of thing uh, and he, he eats is it an apple or a pear a or pear. something? He picks a pear. up a pear, pear. And, and chomps into it. Chomps into it, yeah. And the, the, the lady shopkeeper woman goes, hey, you can't do you that. Can't and do grabs that. I'm going to tell you the truth there. If I saw some guy looking like that jumping a pear, I'd give him a couple of more. And, <laughs> I mean, well, that's you, sorry. This a, is 1984 New York. It's a pear. It's that not pear like is worth 10 cents. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not like he's stolen <laughs> a, I don't know, a truffle donut or something. No. But anyways, she grabs that pear off him and so he shouts at him, you know, yeah, what are you going to do with that pair now? He, yeah, I know. Why take it off? It's too late now. But just, geez, okay. But so he sort of looks a little bit confused and he yeah. goes and stands in the window, watches her 
uh, as someone, someone buys, buys. Yeah, yeah. and she puts the money in the till. And so he goes, oh, okay. And he wanders in and he goes around and puts his hand on the machine. And not only can he heal himself, but he, he can deal with machines. Yeah. And the till opens up, he picks up some money and goes and gets the pair. Yeah. And the woman sees him doing this and goes, oh, oh my goodness, you're yeah, robbing you're, me. You're robbing us, yeah. Starts shouting at him. And he, he like tries to hand her the money. <laughs> like obviously not quite getting the whole transaction process yeah. here, which makes you wonder where he comes from if he doesn't understand the concept of barter or trade or transactions. Mind you, the conspiracies uh, out there, sorry, would be like, yeah, money. It's been used to keep us down in human society. Yes. And, you know, like, you know, make the dominant, make a few people wealthy. And yeah, dominate. it hasn't kept me down because, you know, I just pay my butler's chauffeur to. <laughs> yeah, you're one of those deal people. deal with money. Like, money yeah. is something I don't deal with. That's what right. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's like that where he comes from. He doesn't have to understand money. Well, he, well, I, I like to think more of this as a post-scarcity economy. Yeah. Much like Star Trek. In the Star Trek, say, particular next generation, They've got matter energy transformers, so they just like Earl Grey tea hot, you know. Yeah. And they just get it. They just get it, yeah. You don't so need. There would be no reason to hoard food or anything like that because nah, you could just create it. You just go up to the replicator and replicate something <laughs> as much as you want. But maybe he comes from some place like that where he so he goes, Oh, there's a there's a pear, I'll just eat it because there's an infinite amount of this. Yeah. So anyway, she sort of yells, screams, calls a, a ruckus. Uh, he runs away. Police chase him. Police music chases him, yes. Yes. Uh, and it's a great long scene there where he's kind of like running from the police and it's all feet, it's all legs, uh, and then he even jumps and this police officer kind of comes up behind him, again, just feet and legs, and then we get a lovely little sort of pan up and the police officer's like, oh, where the bloody hell did he go? Oh, well, give it up, give up, walk away. And he's clinging to like maybe a story up you know, on the side of the building. Yeah. Know? So he's, he's got some he's got some interesting powers going on, doesn't he? And they never really explored in the film. That and much. this was the, the second time that the music was used very strongly. Yeah. The first one was, as you said, when the city starts coming to life, we've got that yeah. beat, which at first was a bit comical again because it was in time with the first couple of feet. Ding, That's ding, right. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. Yeah. So it almost like a Sesame Street sort of thing was going to start. Mm. And then some others came on and then you realise there's actually this weird jazz arrangement yes playing while everyone's playing so and then this, this chase scene was the same sort of deal where you got him running and you got one sort of beat and then you got the cop running and another sort of beat and uh it was it was very well done i think yeah and so he's he's lost he's not talking he's kind of taking in i think he takes in some billboards of you know women in bikinis and you know there's kind of a couple of that and he's sort of just again it's real childlike he's, he's just trying to take in this world and he notices another police officer with the black young black man who's kind of like frisking over a car, this this police officer. Um, and that kind of freaks him out. And so he like bolts into this bar. And so it's it's uh, Adele's bar. Um, and so in there, it's a, it's a bar run by an African-American, all the customers, which are two. There's <laughs> two at the bar, two and, at the one bar and one playing with a video playing game. Playing with a video game, yeah. Um, and it's a broken video game. Yeah, so it keeps kind of glitching. Making, keep glitching. And also that young guy keeps asking for money to play the machine and the bartender keeps giving him a quarter. Yeah, which, it's that funny thing. He says, right. oh, your damn machine is just you know, it's glitched. Give me it's another quarter and need, give me another go. I need another quarter another go. And there's like but the second or third time he complains about 
Yeah. He says, you know, you can't be taking my money to when you got such a broken machine. Yeah. And Odell the bar and says, you borrowed that first quarter off me <laughs> to play it in the first place. But then he gives him another quarter. Yeah, he keeps giving him another quarter because, you know, hey. That's just their kind of relationship. It is. It's the way it works. Uh, and the other two uh, sitting there, one of them clearly has a bit of a reputation as a drinker. Yeah. And the other one's just very quiet, elderly gentleman. And in walks the brother. Brother. He just kind of sees everyone there and then he walks over and sits down. down. And sort of fidgets a bit at the table. Yeah. Looking a bit odd. And everyone else kind of looks at him, just watches him. And then they start talking. Yeah. And you, you, you get the feeling from them that no one else comes into this bar ever. <laughs> so it's like, oh, someone else has come in. <laughs> it's always that feeling. It's like, what? Who are you? A customer? A customer beyond us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is where they have that, what we said earlier about, um, they start debating, well, what is the, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. Well, they, they do ask him a few questions. They find that he can't talk. Yeah. He doesn't talk. It's not that he, he doesn't want to, or he won't. It's just, he can't. Mm. And, but they, they do find that he does understand. And so one of the, the, the drinker, I don't remember what his name no. is. He's, he was in particular going, he's, oh, he's going to test him. And he, he gets a paper bag and quietly sidles up behind him and you can see the brothers that are looking a little bit <laughs> odd. worried but then he, he blows the bag up and pops it behind him yeah and it scares the crap out of him you know he jumps and goes ah he doesn't say ah he just jumps and makes funny face and they go oh well he's not deaf he can he can hear and understand mm. and uh and then he goes and gets a, a shot of whiskey odell pours the whiskey for, for this guy he says you know you, you've probably had enough of these what goes and puts it down in front of the brother and encourages him to drink it. And he he has a little taste and spits it out and puts it down. It's like, it's pretty gross. Yeah. And considering his alien biology, it could well be deadly poisonous. It could be. But the the guy then picks it up and goes, ha, huh, there we go. And that proves it. Now we know what he is. And of course, we're expecting to say, well, you know, he's not an alcoholic. He must be a refugee. He's insane. <laughs> You'd have to be insane not to want this. Yeah. And he downs it in one shot, which is nice. Yeah. So it's a cool little debate. And that whole time that, that they're all talking, again, it's what we mentioned earlier, that they're talking off camera in a way as these scenes with the brother are unfolding. You know, it's that, as you said, the Peruvian virus, <laughs> germs. That, Polynesian. Uh, Polynesian well, it, germs. It's yeah. first of all, someone, uh, the, the drunk guy, he says, oh, there was that satellite crashed or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he got hit by it and maybe that's knocked the senses out of him. Mm. And I guess it's space germs. <laughs> They're the worst kind. They put them up there and then they send them down here to get us. Yes. <laughs> who knows what changes they've had. And then he's just silent for a while and the other guys are talking to him. And then just out of the blue, he says, Polynesians, <laughs> now they got germs. Yes. Yeah. Which is all like just symbolism of racism, of what everyone thinks of other races. Yeah. Just and the, the, massive that sort generalizations. Of that... Uh, unfathomed unproved you know bias that oh, don't come here you've got viruses you know don't come here you're dirty don't come here you you know you're not like us that's all it is well, the, it? the nice thing here of course it was it carried over from you thinking oh, okay he's got a fear of germs because he's yeah. talking about space germs and space junk having germs and you think okay he's just got a fear of germs but then he's talking about um different races with germs and then again <laughs> how the polynesians have the worst yeah and he's going well hold on you you seem to have it in for these poor polynesians like have you ever met someone like this yeah. basically the other side of the world and this is the point i think of this scene is that 
he's talking about a, a small group of people. Mm. You know, um, you know, the Polynesian islands don't have a big population. No, nope. they're basically the exact opposite of the planet to the mm. United States. Yeah, and this guy sitting in the bar almost certainly has never been there. Yep, but here he has. He's got some really strong opinion about how their germs are the worst and they're the most germ-carrying people. Which, and I do like the fact that they chose Polynesians as well mm. because it's there's the usual targets, which would be like the Irish yeah. or the um, the the Hindu or yep. the, the Chinese. You know, like these sort of um, other targets, which which would have been, I guess, immigrants into yeah. you know the United States yeah. at various times for gold rushes and and so yep. on. But instead, they chose a, a group of people that have had very little such interaction. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's quite good. It was. It was interesting. It was an interesting conversation going on. And it, it, this conversation in this bar in particular, and the reason I liked this scene was because it really reminded me of the sorts of conversations you see in like a Tarantino type of film. So yeah, definitely. Everyone is is really, you know, on air, on the on the edge. They're, they're pion, yeah. pion, pion, back and forth. There's no, they're not talking like me, which is sort of slow and considered trying to remember what yeah. a word is. They're using words and they've got these these theories and ideas and they're just They've all got out. theories. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? I think that's the Tarantino bit is they've all got theories about mm. other people. Yeah, and some little... not afraid to say... Little it. pet theory or yeah. opinion of talking yeah. about... And maybe. complaints as well. Yeah. It's... And speaking of complaints, that's where the young guy who's playing the arcade, he keeps complaining about this arcade machine. And so the brother kind of comes over behind it and, again, using those little light healing hands sort of quickly fixes the arcade machine and they're all surprised. They're all like, Oh, okay. Well, he's not insane. He's, he can do it. You know, he can fix things. Um, and that's where we get, now there was a quick earlier scene with this character, Sam. He's like a social worker in a bureaucratic office, government building. Yeah. I've seen this guy um, before in movies. I, I, I know just, you I have as well. Him. Um, anyway, he comes into the bar and they kind of, you know, they play a bit of football with him in the bar um, to introduce that they are. He's he he's a regular in this place. It wasn't a surprise to see him, but pretty quickly they say, Sam, you know, this guy's over here. Can you get him some housing? He can he's, he can work. He can yeah. fix things. You're the city, Sam. You can You're do the it. city. You know, can you help him? And he's really reluctant. And anyway, then he suggests this Mrs. Carter takes in some places for a bit of cheap board. Maybe she'll take him, you know. Um, he goes and has a conversation with him, which really showed how much of a social worker he was because he kind of like actually asked him, is he okay, is he all right? And he got nothing out of him. And then he then he spoke, I think, Spanish to him. And then he was like, oh, are you Haitian? And like it was a bit more, it wasn't the racist, <laughs> oh, he's from Polynesia, he's from space, you know. Yeah. Like it was a bit more logical that Sam tried thing. And they said, look, he fixed the arcade machine. He can probably, you know, you can probably get him some work or something like that. So he takes him over to Mrs. Carter, um, who's this single mum. And, oh, my goodness. I mean, you talk about Tarantino. To me, this just spilled out Tarantino, this conversation that she has. Oh, she was about the About the ex, you know, the father of the child and the ex, uh, you know, her ex-partner and the clothes. And, and she kind of was repeating herself a bit. But the reason why it's also a bit Tarantino is that the shot is just such a long, slow shot. And he's sitting there in front of the TV with the young boy very innocently. And she's coming in and out of the room telling this whole story about her, about the boy's father and about how he left her and for another woman. And 
and he's got all these clothes and what was he expecting me to do this? <laughs> it was just such a great Oh, and I hope scene. you eat pork. Well, it's yeah. too bad if you don't because that's what <laughs> happened. She asked him two or three times the same question. It is. I but know. she disappears off. She's she does. Most of it. She's off in the kitchen, I assume, yeah, yeah, preparing pork. She's not in scene. She's off scene, but you, her voice is going the and, whole time. And the brother's having this little moment with the, the boy who says, oh, you know, do you, do you like watching this TV? And look, I cut myself and pulls the Band-Aid off and the, the brother sort of looks at it and, you know, sort of motions, you know, may I yeah, you know, have her. a look? And he says, yeah, okay. He touches the... the the knee and it heals. heals and yeah. He goes, oh, thank you. Yeah. Really nice. And they sort of have this little, this communication here where you can see the innocence of the child. Is, yeah. He's not judging. He's not nah. saying, oh, you must be this, you must be that. Yeah. Why don't you this? Why don't you that? It's just kind of, oh, hi, how are you going? Do you like this? Look, I, I cut myself. He's just, and that's that contrast in the, the mother is rattling on right, and on yeah. about her grievances and no, not in a uh, terribly mean-spirited way but it's no. just it's constant it's non-stop constant, yeah. there's not even a chance to breathe between no. the words no there wasn't even if he wasn't a mute i don't know how many words he would have yeah. gotten back <laughs> in there um and uh yeah anyway so so the, it's interesting here because from here he's taken to the job and this is also where when people start asking him where he's from he he keeps giving the thumbs uh up and um which many, which people sort of thought meant like other another part of New York, yeah. uptown, up, upstate, uptown, yeah, up up, up Manhattan, whatever. Oh, right. he did it to the boy, yeah. up, and and the boy actually looked up to the yeah. sky and, and like pointed to the stars, up. and the guys yeah. nodded. Yeah, yeah. So he's the only one who didn't, you know, uh, layer his own yeah. prejudices on yeah. them. Um. So the next day, Sam takes him to I think it's like a job corpse bit of a job. Um, and it's a video arcade machine uh, time zone, as we would call them here, maybe yes. <laughs> back in the eighties. Uh, uh, you know, an arcade. What do they call it? An arcade um, parlor. Parlor, maybe. If you're American, you could probably correct me on this. Uh, and I it's call this it an arcade, arcade. Arcade, arcade. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, in Australia, we, we especially in the eighties, they've kind of died off a fair bit now. But there was a big company called Time Zone that did arcade machines. Oh, they're here. still around. They're still around, but not that same no not since you know playstations and stuff um anyway uh so he goes there and of course there's a lot of broken down arcade machines did make me wonder is that was that a thing was a lot these machines really did break down all the time i've watched this very interesting documentary about the birth of computer arcades and so forth and yeah so these machines were hard you know wired if you like they they weren't like a computer that you just load stuff on they the the game was programmed into the circuitry. Yes. Not not just a bit of software written into a chip. Yeah. That was there for certain, but there's also circuitry to make the sounds and make the graphics and right, so forth. Right, yeah. So it was easy. And these games, Mrs. Pac-Man was actually a fan-made mod of Pac-Man. Right. There's, there was a, like a, a, a group of guys that took things like, you know, Missile Command, if you remember that one, mm. and then they upped the difficulty and upped some of the effects and mm. there's little add-on ch- uh, cards that they put in there. Yeah. And of course, um, who, who was the Atari got a bit miffed at this and hired them. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, is, it's a fascinating, you, you gotta, you got to watch the documentary. Yeah, that it's sounds on, cool. What's it called? I can't remember even what it's called now. Mm, okay. It's on Netflix. It's about 
you know, arcade machines, arcade machines mm. video games, history. So anyway, he starts, he starts, again, there's another scene where I think he's a Spanish guy that probably normally fixes, tries to fix the machines not very well. Uh, well there's only so much he could do, I suppose. Yeah, but again, there's a huge conversation where he's trying to figure out where he comes from. Um, but yeah, and he does, he fixes a machine and starts, so, you know, makes the boss happy. So he's got a bit of a job, bit of money. Um, uh, and he, he takes, this is kind of interesting. He, he takes the next day or whatever it is, weekend, whatever he takes the son to a museum and, it, and then sort of at this museum, it's a lot about black slavery and black mm. immigration and sort of, you know, the history of African-Americans in the United States. Um, and he points particularly to this illustration depicting an enslaved African-American who is running away kind of from the troops or from the farm. I can't, can't exactly remember, but he's just running away. Um, and he kind of then points to himself. And the, the son does kind of, you know, it does indicate that he's running away from something. Yeah, he points to himself and yeah. at the picture. And... Yeah. So this kind of some sort of connection, similarity that maybe he's running Along the street, he frees a dog that probably shouldn't have been freed. No, you kind of don't. Like, if it was tied up on a leash, then someone... Probably tied it up. Tied it up, yeah. and then also... The dog was happy. I think there's a bit of a symbol there. <laughs> it, it's also a dog running loose in a busy city is probably yeah. not great. Probably not great. <laughs> Again, this goes back to that kind of... Well, it's not funny that he let the dog go in New York City when it probably shouldn't have been let go, but it's kind of funny. But it, was, it was funny in that he... He misunderstood. He misunderstood it. Yeah, he thought the dog was being oppressed, and maybe it was, but Uh, yeah, it was a symbol of oppression, and he was sending it free. Anyway, we now get the real start of the weirdness, and also a connection to Men in Black. Now, this is 1984, so it's a long time before Men in Black. But we are back at Adele's bar, and we get these two white Men in Black. Uh, One is played by David Stratham, and the other is the director, John Sayles. Um, and they arrive at Odell's bar, beer on the rocks, <laughs> draft beer on the rocks. Which <laughs> is such a funny way that they did it. And they're very robotic, mechanical. They, it feels like they're out of place. It's they're, kind of obvious to us. They're mirroring each other's movements. They so are they, mirroring. They're moving together, and then they do this weird sort of choreographed. The whole time they're moving, I always got the feeling of dancing, like like mm. there was... Is that same sort of choreography where they'd sort of seem to move at a on a beat? Yes, move on a beat. And yeah. it it really that was what again one of these really alien effects mm. where you you suddenly realise how alien they are. They're not mm. just a couple of people. It's not just act, two white guys in African American acting bar, strange. Alien. They're they're alien as in they don't seem to be moving like humans do. No, they don't look no. like just like a couple of weirdos. No, they're actually moving in a very purposeful mm. and totally different way. Mm. Really well done. So they ask about the brother. Um, and, of course, none of them give anything away. Yeah. <laughs> They're all very, you know, um, they keep the cards close to their chest kind of thing. Um, it, it's a weird twi- – the way to think about this scene, like, Surrey's right, they're alien. It's a weird twist on Men in Black because Men in Black had two guys in a suit – Chasing aliens, but in this film, the two guys in the suits are also aliens. So yeah. there's a bit of a different twist on it um, than the what happens within the Men on Black. Um, they're out to recapture the brother. It seems to be they've got a picture of him. They're looking for him. 
um, and it seems like you know they're they're on his tail, but no one gives anything away. They leave. They leave in a very melodramatic fashion as well, together out the two doors. Yes, they walk <laughs> up. They yeah, well, they walk in single file and they just stop, split into two. Yeah. Each one, I'm taking a door, open at the same open time the same and walk time, out walk at the out, same time. Yeah. Let all that light in. Like I said, in that sort of weirdly choreographed, as if mm. they were computer controlled or something. You know, like it was just strange. It was very strange. <laughs> in fact, if you're looking at how to. Produce portray aliens in a movie mm. that are trying to pretend to be humans, it's this good, would be pretty good. Good study for an actor out there to do. Um, on the subway, the brother meets this weird magician. Uh, he's doing, doing card tricks and talking and he's telling, you know, he's going through this whole thing about, you know, if you pull out two sisters and he's like doing the cards and whatever. And ten he's going to get another like, person from a bar and so he yeah. goes off and he comes back and there's a couple it's of jokes. Full, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, and I thought the whole time he was going to swindle him, but he doesn't. Like, he, you know, that's what I was kind of thinking. It's like, where is this going? You know, like, what's going to happen here? Is he going to try to rob him or something? But he doesn't. And then he ends up saying this kind of like magic line. He goes, oh, I can make all the white people disappear off the train. Yeah. Do you want to see that? And the, yeah, the brother sort of. Mm, yeah, sure. Yeah, she sort of nods and goes, yeah. And okay. then it pulls into a station. Yeah. Is it, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Some rather next stop would be. Harlem or something. Yeah, I think the idea is that like this was the the last stop before Harlem. Yeah, yeah, and all the white people do get off, and yeah. the, and the brother looks around the train, and everyone is African American. Yeah, so it's kind of again that was the, seemed to be the whole point of the the scene. Um, and then and then from there we also go to these couple of you know young white Midwestern men wandering along talking. Uh, having you know, having a good old time, and then they, they seem to then realise that they've stumbled and they're well, a bit lost. The, the funny in... thing is, because one of them stops and goes, "Is there anything unusual you notice about this neighbourhood?" Because <laughs> you know that they've walked into the yeah. black part of yeah, that's town. That's right, they've walked into Harlem. And the other one, being tremendously white, looks around and goes, uh, "You mean like the architecture?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he goes, "No, no." Yeah. Uh, and they skirt around this topic, and they go, "Yeah, no, no, I." I think we took a wrong turn. This isn't where the convention is. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like all the time they're trying to sort of say, they're all black. Yeah, everyone's but black it, around us and how much should we panic or how much But instead we just... they kept circling around it a yeah. little bit and sort of saying, yeah, they've they got trouble and then finding you. are lost. Do you remember where the subway was? How can we get back to the subway? And, yeah. And where's this, that and the other thing? It was a great sort of squirmish scene, wasn't it? Yeah, they, you could see they weren't. They, they weren't didn't want to be, and they they weren't comfortable. They didn't want to be outright racist. They didn't want to like admit that they're maybe a bit worried, and why they should be worried. <laughs> they just kind of, oh, yeah. They they take themselves in Odell's bar, though. Yeah, and yeah, they walk in with that sort of. Oh yes, this this looks like a fine establishment. Yeah, this is looks lovely. Even though it, yeah, like and they just they <laughs> leave off the what you you know the thing is there's a fine establishment, even though there's no white people. Yeah, here. that's right. So, so they just it's a fine establishment. And they sit down and they order a couple of beers yeah. as they try and figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, where they are. And um, they don't they get a pretty cold reception from everyone in the bar, but they sit down next to the brother and. Um, and then they just start again talking their his ear off, don't they? Yeah, they're here in town for a self actualization conference. <laughs> if if there's anything more, I guess, white 
maybe <laughs> even in the, the Midwest, mm. then a self-actualization conference by a couple of young yuppies, you know, who knows? Mm. And they, they do drink a fair bit of beer, like another four yeah. or five bottles each sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah, so we cut to them where they're, they're obviously a little bit drunk. Well, yeah. And there's that, that one of them, yeah, is trying to make this point about Ernie Banks. Is you've I see you know there is that yeah who I'm taking it to be a one of Baseball those player. stick ball hitting people <laughs> where they have like you know the the bat and the and it's golf it's called baseball baseball <laughs> t ball no t-ball. baseball baseball ba- baseball yeah and the the guy saying you know when I was growing up I I wanted to be Ernie Banks I didn't know that he was black yeah I just wanted to be him I don't know, they, we didn't have any black people where I was. Or at least I didn't notice them. You know, like, <laughs> and then the other dude is just sort of, mm, 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 it's in his wrists. It's all the powers in his wrists. Yeah. And they're just going on and on like this. Yeah. And you see everyone in the bar is just kind of looking at him going, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> and finally, say, oh, see, this is what we need. Just more just talking. Communication. communication. <laughs> yeah. We need more communication like this between... Again, they're like skirting around what the problem is yes. without getting it. And then that's when Adele, the bar uh, attendee, you know, owner, just says, look, if you take a couple of blocks up here, turn it right, turn left, there's the subway. Get on it, the A, a line or something yeah. like that. Get out of my bar, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You've bought enough beer now, thank you. I, th- I think it was one of those things that like they came in and it's like, oh, these white guys, oh, God, like, like who gives a sh-? Like they're on their own. I'm not yeah. going to help them. After a couple of hours of like just the and then they're talking like this, I think it's like you know what you work. You, it's worse that you're staying here. You yeah. Get lost. Yeah, yeah there's sort of like that marginal quality. Is, yeah. they're, well, they're buying beers, yeah, yeah, so that's good. Yeah. But they're getting is really boring. They're getting really annoying now. <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah. yeah. Get them out of here. So that was really fun, of course. It was a funny scene. They weren't communicating at all. They're talking to a mute. Yeah. For starters, and they were just talking on about how wonderful the only black famous person they could think of was. Although it was Ernie Banks mentioned a couple of times, he yeah. uh, was he actually like, and I apologise for my complete ignorance of golf, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that in Harlem, Ernie Banks is probably from there and played probably tennis was. professionally with the Yankee Bulldogs. <laughs> he, he probably did actually, probably with those Bulldogs. He was probably right up there. He was probably their number one Snookerist. wicked keeper. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, but we jest. I do yes. know the term baseball. I just don't know much more than that. No, no. I think it's probably um, like cricket in yeah. that it's a catcher, very... Catcher, see? Wicket keeper, catcher. And a stick hitter. Batter, and I think. Batter. They call it a batter. It's pretty simple, I think. <laughs> run around some plates, home run. I think it's basically like cricket, but you've, you've got four plates instead yeah. of two wickets. Yes, it, do, it does. The, the it is like cricket. I mean, sorry, we're going to go off on a little side. It is like cricket in that how cricket we've had ashes, one dayers, and now like twenty twenty because people are so bored of like the one that goes for days and days. They've just tried to make it quicker and quicker. And I think from what I gather, again, I'm not a big baseball nut, but it's like I think they've done the same thing. Like baseball goes for a very long time, and yet then they've like gone, oh, we're just going to have like a really quick. Whatever innings each, that's it. Game over. Just you know? the the good parts, the good bit, yeah. And you get to hit and hit, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's all we want is the hitting of the ball. We want someone to hit the ball. Damn it, hit that's the all. ball and the catching of the ball. 
That's it. We want to see some home runs. Home runs. Which goals? Goals are on goals. Sixes in cricket terminology. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna bore our audience here. I'm already bored. I know, bored talking about goals. Uh, Anyway, then there's a bit of a he's. I think he wanders around, doesn't he? Um, And he starts to get infatuated with these posters of the singer and stuff. Um, But he comes across this kind of part. Oh, that's right. He tries to get in. I think to the singer. I'm just trying to remember the plot point exactly. Like he tries to get in to see the singer. He's denied because he doesn't have enough money. And then he goes back and then this is where he's kind of comes across. Remember there's like um, junkies and homeless people around the fire and he kind of, he, he has some drugs, doesn't he? He does. And then he wakes he also, up. Well, he met shoe. those two young guys down in the stairwell That's of right. his carters. Yeah. And... They're clearly, well, they're clearly wearing 80s fashion, which would no. only be seen as fashionable in the 80s. Cause you're well, 80s at, drug dealer fashion. Yeah, right? you're looking at it going, <laughs> that's quite peculiar. But anyway, yeah, yeah no, well, I have to beg a bit of uh, ignorance here because this is where I went to the bathroom. Right. And yeah. I came back and he had some drugs. Yes. And he had a bit of a trip. Yeah. And I think he was just trying to find out what the hell was going on with this. Yeah, he was trying the drug. And it seemed very friendly, and then he did. He does have a little bit of a high and a bit of a trip, and then when he wakes up, he's lying in that part. No one's there, mm. and his shoes have been stolen because he got his feet again. Yeah, with his claw-like feet. <laughs> yeah, his, his shoes. Like, why would they take his shoes? But anyway, so I think I think the thing is he's sort of been robbed or whatever, right? Um, so he kind of cleans himself up. I think. He, I think. We have then the men in black do go to Mrs. Carter's place and try to get some information out of her. Yeah. Um, and so she doesn't give them. Again, she's she's pretty you know minimal. They also go to immigration, and th- there's a great moment in there, isn't there, where they're like, "Oh, you're f- they're from another department," and sh- and then the, the Sam kind of gives a bit of a signal from out the back to the the other government worker. And she then says, oh, well, inter-government agency requests for information. You need to fill out form number B and you need to fill out that. We need to see photocopies of uh, your ID. We need to have like documentation or letters from your boss requesting the information. <laughs> she just like bogs them down in paperwork, doesn't it? And they like, oh, we'll come back later. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back later. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of leave and they leave with the forms and they... Is that they're on the they go out onto the street in New York and they're like, look around into the bin, push it down. Yeah, <laughs> um, he comes, he becomes really captivated, but he's still very captivated by this um, female black singer and the posters. He buys the record and puts the record in the bin, yeah, and keeps the picture. Oh, yes. <laughs> And he like he's looking at the posters and stuff like that. Anyway, he goes to the club and he has enough money. Uh, he's made some money and he he um, goes in and sitting there at a table and um, uh, the the waitress is like, "Are you going to drink your beer? Because otherwise, you kind of need to get off these tables." And he's like, "Oh, just bring us another." You know, that nods for another beer, so she brings him another beer. But he's not obviously drinking it. And we have this lovely song, don't we, from the Black Singer? Yeah. She's a, a fantastic sort of uh, bluesy singer. Blues, that real sort of, you know, African... Nightclub singing yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. As you'd expect from a blues singer in an 80s 
nightclub. Nightclub. <laughs> anyway, she comes over, she actually comes over and sits next to him, doesn't she, after the song? And she's like, look, whatever your deal is, I just need to sit next to you, pretend to be my friend because the manager here is always trying to get in my pants. Bit of a creep. He's a bit of a creep. Um, and lo and behold, he, he does come up to the table and he says this analogy about, ah, oh, you remember you used to be in a band, what were they called? Oh, you guys were rising to the top and top and top. And, uh, you know, I was only starting out in the nightclub scene and then, and then you, and then you dropped away and your career's kind of dropped. And, and now and you're and then playing I've, for me. And then I've gone up and up and I own clubs and, you know, there's a moment in time where someone that's coming down and someone that's coming up, you're on the same level. Yes. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're no. not going to be on my level. No. And time. this guy here, he's my boyfriend from from Philadelphia, I think, or something, or Chicago or something. Yeah. yeah something like that. And um, and because he doesn't say anything, he kind of holds, <laughs> holds the table kind of thing to this guy, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, the other guy sort of tries to get a bit out of him. but Yeah. Can't get anything out of him. Just <laughs> silent and fine. So, Gets Plays up and cool. leaves, yeah. yeah. he leaves it. Anyway, she's besotted by, I think, that performance. Well, well also, you know, the old brother, he's indicated that he's, he can't talk. She knows no, he can't talk. No. And, but he's, he's told her that he really loves her singing. Yeah. And she thinks he's joking. And he's, he's, no, he's, he's very genuine, genuine about, about it. it. Yeah. Which, you know, she really appreciates, I think. I don't think she gets enough people telling her that she's a good singer. No. And anyway, they go back to her place and, you know, have a little... Get a, well, they kiss. At the very least, they have a kiss. They have a kiss, but they're in bed. They wake up they and then they're, they're like, do they have a cigarette? No, I don't think they have a cigarette, but they do. Oh, look, they have sex. They have sex. It's implied that. Yeah, so I was just, there's this whole thing about uh, movies, particularly from the 80s. Yeah. Wake up, uh, you know, have sex have and then a have a cigarette. cigarette it's that just sounds revolting to me. But you know what? It makes good cinema. It does. Cig- cigarettes really play. They're still, even though the popularity of smoking has dropped quite a lot, mm. they still tend to get thrown into characters' hands. They do. Because, and this is a trick I've noticed in a couple of shows and things, but Vikings does it the most. Mm. But also The Witcher does it, not smoking. Yeah. It's when someone has got a bit to talk about, a bit to say, and there's a bit of dialogue between people, they at least make one of them like doing something else. Yeah. And the easiest one there is like lighting up a cigarette. Yeah. Taking a puff, blowing smoke out. It's a way yeah. of sort of going. Yeah. I'm too Breaking. cool. I don't care about what you're saying, you know. But in in Vikings, for example, they're always holding a horn of ale. Yeah. Uh, and in The Witcher, they've always got like a little. You don't, you can't see what they're eating, but they've always got something which is hard and like maybe it's. Um, jerky or something and they yeah. always sort of put in their mouth and yeah. break a bit off and munch on this terribly hard looking it's time thing to think isn't it and it's, talk it's, you know like the thinking music yeah so that's it's the same sort of thing there's a little bit of action there which is not just the talking and yeah. the cigarettes seem to do that quite well because it's you know there's a fire and there's smoke it's dramatic it's visual yeah uh, yeah and it works also because you can't sort of smell it because let's face it if if you had to sit in the cinema and I guess back in the days when you had smoking cinemas, which yeah. horrifying to me, <laughs> uh, yeah, I get asthma. I was, yeah. Please save my life with you. Um, but yeah, they, they loved having particularly through the eighties sex and a cigarette. Yeah. And so I it's think a symbol of that, isn't it? There was a, I think it was partially the, the tobacco 
companies advertising but it's a great way visually of showing that puff out of air that satisfied yeah satisfied i'm gonna have to edit that puff because it's probably destroyed my microphone (laughs) yeah so interesting yeah so yes i don't think they did do the cigarette but they definitely like they kind of made out and then it was the next morning she's kind of getting dressed and you know she's saying she's not in new york again for a while and blah 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 yeah um the film then after that he discovers uh the junkies again which sort of the same as the scene he had earlier with the trip and that he kind of comes across the same guy again running out of a park and when he goes in he discovers uh, a young man dead with the syringe in his arm mm. and he tastes the product which is like god that you know, was like, an 80s thing he, as well yeah, like, you always see the movie the cops they they cut open the thing and pull yeah. out a bit of the white thing a little bit on their pinky finger yeah. and dip it to the tip but of the tongue but he did that with and... the syringe right like he pulls yeah. out the syringe which is like the blood and it's like oh um but you know and then so he he, he tastes it and he doesn't he, he knows it must be heroin so he's like oh and then this is kind of it's interesting because then the film takes a bit of a darker turn here mm, because yes. then he kind of goes on this it's it's you're not too i was really unsure what what then he is doing but then he sort of he follows the drug dealer um but yeah, I think back to where he, Mrs. Carter, he knew that was there and he then follows him down this street where he then disappears into a building. He sits there waiting. This is where we get that naive cop talking about, oh, it's my first day in Harlem. Is it really that bad? You know, aren't we all the same? Can't we just you know, talk? Can't we just all get along? <laughs> like it's real naivety of, well, you're not kind of understanding what happens normally with police brutality or anything like that, but... It's, and he's just sitting there really uncomfortable about it all because we know he's uncomfortable with police, you know, because the men in black are police. he also can't talk. No, and he can't talk. But, so of doesn't... course, the, the cop doesn't know that, no. so the cop thinks he's just getting stonewalled and looks a bit confused. And Yeah, and he kind of just gets up and, and walks away. And he goes over closer to the building, and this is where we get the great eyeball shot, pull out the eyeball. Puts in a pot plant of all things. Dig it out of his eye. As you said, it was interesting because it took a couple of, you know, it took a minute and you're like, what's he about to do? Is this predator? Is he about to like undo his skull or what's going to happen that, here? That would be kind of good. You know, uh, but he pucks it out and he puts it in a pot plant and sort of focuses it. And like a little sort of weird one eye Muppet thing it, it does, it zooms around and kind of, you know, pusses and bubbles. <laughs> it was great. Pulsates. Pulsates, all those sorts of things. Um, uh, yeah, and this is such a good prop. And I mean, again, this is goes back to that debate about digital versus non-digital. Like this is a real prop, you know, and it probably costs, you know, you talk about $350,000 budget, you probably spent a little bit on this, you know, like, yeah, because it it looked real handcrafted for this handcrafted. And it it was animated. It was was animated. Yeah. Without the digital effects. So, but I, I loved it. I just, my inner child was giggling at this stuff. Um, and it's interesting because he kind of like goes away and then he comes back the next day and whoop, pops it back into his eye. Again, taking a long time. Long time, yeah. And, and then there's this great, like, you know, he covers, he sits down and he covers his eye and he's watching it like a screen, you know, like, and it's a rewind, fast forwarded, time lapsed, bissing frames. But you see the drug dealer come out of the house and talk and smiling in their fashion. I was, I was thinking, like, you see, that's the even stranger thing. You'd be like, that's really high-end fashion. But this was 1984. Like, 
this is on the ghetto, you know, yeah. like this is what they're wearing, you know, but it's it's like it's so high end, isn't it? What they're wearing. Yeah, it's very noticeable. Yeah. Um very distinctly eighties. So he learns that this guy goes off in a car, so then he kind of hops in a car again, uses his glowing hands, goes out to this it's like a somewhere overlooking New York City sees that another part of the deal is, you know, he's watching the dealer now talk to another dealer and then he follows that dealer and that dealer then goes out to the suburbs, really big homes, wealthy area, affluent area. And um, he, he watches from a distance and sees this dealer talk to this kind of middle-aged white guy in a suit. Um, and, you know, obviously, so that's kind of like the head of the drug syndicate or something, right? Yeah, the money behind it. The money behind it at yeah. least, yeah. Um, so he then, again, as I said, it kind of goes down this little tangent, um, following him, the white guy, he gets back to this tower in New York, back in, back in the city, obviously yeah. where he works. Um, he tries to, oh yeah. Then this is where he, I think from that, he can't get into the building. He tries to get into the building. No, they, they stop him. They stop he, him. The, the woman says you don't have an appointment. Appointment, you know, like you come back later when you have an appointment, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, did, yeah, you noticed that there was that guy out on the street selling the keyboards? Yes. There was a real focus on that. That was, a whole, that was a whole thing like these. Yeah. I got keyboards. Electronic keyboards. Yeah. He's just hawking that and hawking that. <laughs> I had no other purpose. No. But it was, uh, yeah, it was very, uh, I suppose, alternate cinema in that, yeah, you have just these characters in your face at the foreground mm. taking up so much, you know, verbal room. So I guess because he, the guy's mute mm. uh, and he's just selling his keyboards. But he, he watches the cleaning people mm. wearing the little, the little blue uniforms, whatever. It's, All black as well. Yeah. Yeah, the... the was some Hispanic? I don't know. Yeah, it might have been, but I, don't I think they were. I can't white. tell. Yeah, because I'm because <laughs> I'm white because <laughs> I'm white. Yeah. Yes, but uh, well, he I can't, sees them I can't all tell come back. because it's actually a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I've yeah, got yeah. badass memory being. They, an old they're man. coming back from their lunch break, and they all kind of go through the service. Yeah, and so and, he's wearing similar sort of clothes. Yeah. Like, so he just follows them he in. He follows him in and, and they just lend through. They just because, lend through, yeah. You know. He's black. A black dude wearing blue uh, jacket. Well, yeah. he must be a uh, worker. A cleaner, a janitor, whatever they sort of were. So he kind of comes in through the back door um, and he breaks into the office where the, the white head honcho is there, confronts him. Talks to him. And boy, is he a soft white man too. He was. He was very soft. Um, he caves pretty quickly about does. the drive. Because well, he just sits there staring at him. He yeah. put, drops a syringe on the thing. Yeah. Staring at him. This guy's like, oh, I'll pay you. I'll, I'll pay you, you whatever they're money. paying you more. This you is that just... I just wanted some money to you know fix the business. Yeah. It was failing. And, yeah. You know, he's, he's running out of words because yeah. the brother just looks at him. Stares at him. And then... Yeah, he, he tries to buy him off a few times, and then the brother pulls his eyeball out, and this drug dealer is like looking at him, going, "What the yeah. absolute hell!" And then slams it into his hand and makes him hold it. Yes. And then he sees the image of the OD. Kid yes. Yeah. And it sort of breaks him a bit. Yeah. And then it's heavily implied that the brother shoots him. Like he pulls out a gun. No. No, because he pulls out the drugs. Oh, sorry. And he, he says, shoots, yeah. 
It, uh, yeah, I, I again, is it? No, so what, what happens was, from my memory, he pulls out the drugs and, and then and this is after the eyeball, you're right, yeah. and then he's like, and then he says, he says, oh, take the drugs, like you have all the drugs. And yeah. he's like, and it's, like, oh, it's right. you're going to have it all. You're going to have it all. Yeah, and so he's like, you have it. He's not you know, shooting him. Yeah, he ODs him, basically. Like he just forces him to have a huge amount of this heroin. Yeah, and like I said, it's quite... Seemingly out again, of, yeah, yeah. Like it's a bit dark. It's a bit like oh, that's a bit grim that they introduced this side, uh, this sort of um, justice-seeking side mm. to him. Anyway, the men in black then come back to Adele's, and this is where we get this really quirky choreographed fight scene, don't we? Yeah, this was truly a, this was trippy. A, a Broadway. Production, <laughs> production, yeah. Like the, all the fights, the, the movements were all you know mechanical mm. and timed and in synchronization, and it was, it was it was really good the way they did that. Actually. Yeah, it was joyous. It looked it like a, a fight. It was a funny but fight. The way the aliens moved, yeah, it looked like they were doing a dance. Yeah, the like whole time. Was, yeah. In fact, a lot of the movements the aliens did looked choreographed like yeah. a dance, which is what made them seem so alien because people don't. Move in that sort of way. Yes, I, I will say I'm not. I, I'm just again. My memory's a bit foggy on it. I don't know if it happened just before this scene or after the scene, but they came across the graffiti and they like went. Oh, yes, I just have to say that because I, I actually forgot. I didn't put it in my notes, but it's like it's like it was such a alien reaction. Yeah, like they, they like they spoke to each other like cats or something. Yeah, eh? Like, this like the of, screeching of old cat. modems. Yeah. I, <laughs> you remember like fax machines yeah. talking. <laughs> like it was and they like they just their facial expressions was that that sound coming out if you tried to make that sound. Yeah and that that struck me like the the, the um body snatches movie. Yeah that body yeah they tend that's to, right. they, they open their mouth and just scream at each other. So yeah. Then, yeah, and yeah. yeah, and and that brought up that graffiti again, which yeah. highlighted it. And that's when I recognised, oh, that's actually it. It's uh, some sort of language. alien characters. Yeah, like, it's not just not uh, just graffiti. Yeah, a tag, a tag. Yep. But yeah, it's sort of characters. So they have this fight, this choreographed fight. Um, the Adele and that they do physically attack them, but the aliens are obviously stronger. Um, and uh, the brother the brother enters, doesn't he, as the fight's going. Yeah. And then so they kind of dissipate and they chase him, um, and he's running. And, again, this is where they they run so weird, don't they? They're running like unison, the two alien, the men in black guys. Yeah, it, they, it they, reminded me of that video clip. There's a beat. Of, um, uh, oh, my goodness me. What was this? This video clip was. It was actually by the Fine Young Cannibals as well. That we spoke about last previously. Week, yeah. yeah, it was. I cannot remember, but the video the video clip has like people in these sort of puffy suits of brilliant colours doing these movements Dance forward moves, and back yeah. and yeah. and sort of making a couple of running motions forwards yeah. and then bouncing on a trampoline and it yeah. had this very same. Oh, geez, I wish I could remember. There what the song is, was. it's much more newer. Um, they had that OK Go out of like yeah. Texas or something, and they were the four of them are on the treadmills, uh, treadmills yeah. and it's all in pace to the song, and they sort of do these actions. That's a little bit like that, a bit as like well. that too, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but they run, like the brother was kind of running, you know, for his life, trying to save himself up against buildings. You know, they were approaching that, but they're like running in this weird beat and the music's in the beat to them walking, to them running, chasing him, hunting him down, aren't they? Uh, and he comes around this corner and the brother and he comes across these people. Mm. And they're kind of standing very uniquely as well. He follows the graffiti. He sees some of the graffiti. He sees some graffiti as he's being chased. And he seems to understand it and head a particular way. Yeah, and he sees more. There's like more graffiti. I just remember the song, She Drives Me Crazy. Yes. That's the song. That's the song. Look up the video clip, YouTube. Yeah. And you'll get an idea of what I'm thinking of. So he follows this graffiti and he comes across this group of random people, really. Like it looks like one's like a cleaner, one's a chef. One's maybe in a suit. Yeah, and they're, uh, they're standing in formation. And they're standing in a weird formation as well. Yeah. And he kind of comes up to them and they acknowledge him and he walks into them, doesn't he? Like into their formation. He, he joins the formation. Yeah. And turns to face the men in black. Men in black who, who come up running and stop. And yeah, see all these people and yeah, they're not happy about this. No. And they run for it. And then that, and then that's the thing. When they run for it, they just run for it. They don't run in unison. No. That's, that's the interesting thing. So when they were hunting... They were kind of like in a formation themselves. But once they were like, oh, well, this isn't good. Yeah, and, and we get this strange moment then where one the, of them, the brother, they sort of smile and acknowledge yeah. each other. And the brother looking hopeful th- gives a thumb up. Yeah. And the other people, they take a moment. Do they, they actually shake their head a little bit? I think so. And then they do, and they do the thumb thumbs down. down. <laughs> uh, and we cut to. We cut to his... On the subway. Driving is, is in the back of the subway looking. On a platform. Happy. Oh, on the Yeah, happy. And the subway pulls away from the station and he like looks at us. Yeah. Directly down the camera. He looks at, he looked at me. I don't know if he looked at anyone else. <laughs> well, he, did, he looked at me too. Sorry, he looked at me Deep too. So I don't know how he did soul. that. <laughs> Through my eyeballs. It's an open interpretive ending. It's not one that's totally closed. One that we do expect possibly from independent cinema. We also see it kind of out of Europe, you know, uh, that quite often they do have these open-ended films, you know, that, yes. that they are open to interpretation. This, this style of film reminded me most of a European style. Mm. I've seen a few. Uh, my, my father quite likes watching some yeah, of these yeah. Italian and French films, yeah. which are uh, more similar to this. Like they, they tend yeah. to just be sort of stories without... You know, they've got ups and downs and yeah. ins and outs and they kind of... Characters that may come in and out. They and end, but they don't They don't like yeah. end in a final hurrah. They no. just kind of end Yes, like this. Well, because so straight away for this, you could say, and I, I want to know your interpretation. I mean, my interpretation was kind of like, because he did that thumbs up, they did the thumbs down. I mean, does that mean that he, that they're people that like they've settled now on earth and then this is it? Or is it more logical than that? Like, no, they didn't come from up there. They came from underground <laughs> and that's why he's in the subway. Or is it just like, no, we've settled underground, come join us. Like, And that's why he's on the subway and he smiles at us like, oh, I've found my people. Well, I, I like to think you it's, know? it's a case of he's going, can you take me back in a space? Mm. And they say, no, we can take you on the subway. So yeah. they're going, he's going to like, his people. Yeah. A colony yeah. here on Earth. Uh, you know, how can I get home? Up, mm. No, you can get home by on the subway. Yeah. And so he happily gets on and, and heads off. 
Yeah, but again, that's the thing. It's open to interpretation. Yeah, it? yeah there's no definite conclusion. So it's yeah. an inter- and I like that. I like that. I, I I like seeing films that do that because that leads to these. I also kind like of the hand actions themselves in yeah. human terms. Thumbs up is good. Good, yeah. Thumbs down is bad. And here is going, you know, good. You know, leaving good. And they go, you know, thumbs down. Like it would be like, no, it's bad. Yeah. But he's satisfied with that. Yeah, he's happy with it's, that. So it's quite a a mixed message. <laughs> it definitely is. Okay, so that's the plot and some of the technicalities. What about uh, your ladder, Surrey? Where is this one going on your ladder? I am going to reveal where where I am putting the brother from another planet. And for me, it is coming in at number uh, 12, which is on my ladder after Other Life, which is the Perth film, and also before Cargo, which is kind of the Australian zombie outback man travels across to save the baby. I feel like it goes in there. I, I really felt so happy after I saw this film. You know, like when you do look at some of those technical aspects that they are a bit dated, when you look at some of the fact the story doesn't quite get resolved, is that as good as some of these other films I've watched? Maybe not. But I genuinely felt really happy after this film. Like it this was. film, it was, it was a satisfying brought, pleasantness. Yeah, like and it brought, a, but it brought a lot of joy to me. Like I really enjoyed watching this, and that's the thing. Sometimes it's like the vibe. The, it's about the vibe. It's about the vibe. <laughs> it's about the vibe. You know, the vibe of the constitution. It's the vibe of the film. Like I felt that the filmmaker here, there's a lot of love in this film and it's kind of pouring out. And to me, it's very nostalgic of 80s films. And yeah, I loved it. I well, really, I really enjoyed it. I love the, the dialogue, the, the writing of all of those or stories and dialogue. I'd love to yeah. talk to John Sales and ask him how he came up with all of that. Each yeah. of those people listing out their lives, was yeah. that a... An improv thing? Did he have other people write these things? Like, there's no other writing credits. No. So, so I think it's him. Yeah. It's it's him. And I mean, what a, a brilliant ear for dialogue! Like mm. it sounds so genuine. Yeah. But also so wacky and so yeah, quick fire. Yeah, and the way great. he decided to shoot it that we don't see them quite often when they're talking about all these problems and complaints. That yeah, they have. I put it. Yeah. I put it down. I was, I was finding finding it difficult to know where it should go. Because again, I'm conflicted as to how I'm organising these things. Yes, but I I put it down. I put it down as the the thing to lift you after equals, and then you get then the wandering earth. Yeah. So I I chose that because equals is is a very um, it's pretty much it's a Hollywood style movie. Yeah, it's an interpretation yeah. of. I guess sort of Romeo Juliet kind of. Yep. Uh, but it's a bit of a downer at times, you know. Mm. Yeah. And then you move from that into Brother from Another Planet. Yeah. And it's like it'll it's gonna break you away from that Hollywood traditional style. Yeah. It's got humor where it probably shouldn't have humor mm-hmm. and it's it it'll jump jumble you around and then you're hitting some Chinese science fiction. Yep. Which your brain should be ready for that by then. Yes. <laughs> Mixer. Uh, it's, I would have put it up there near a lobster for the same reason that it kind of makes you struggle and so forth, but I want to have to do a gap there with some other action and other cultural movies. Yeah, there. yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, so and and I'm thinking that's kind of the way I'm looking at this now is is more of like a playlist of, of yeah, how playlist, you order yeah. these things to to keep your palate clear because you don't want to have like a whole bunch of Hollywood action movies all at once because by the fifth one you're kind of going, well, I'm a little bit explosioned out. Thank you very yes. much, Michael Bay. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to have like all of these sort of independent wacky ones all yeah. together. So sprinkling them out in a way that will give you the maximum joy. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. It's a, it's, it's a good way to look at it is my uh, playlist. Maybe that's what it should be actually called is the playlist. Playlist, yes. <laughs> but we will come back to that. We're, th- we're talking about making a maybe a special one-off episode of Space Brains where we rejig or yeah, re-evaluate re- and ladder. revisit the ladder. So we, that will be coming. We will, we will book that in soon. So stay tuned for that and let us know what about your ladder. I, I have not yet heard anyone else's ladder. So I'd love to know someone else's ladder with our list of films. Oh, well, what would I, you I read, order? The... I read Sean's ladder. He's got it for his Little Planet. Yep. So he's, his top 10 films. Top 10. Uh, Brother from Another Planet was in there. Yep. And uh, nine other films, including... He, he cheated and did like a couple of like Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Yes. As one film, which kind of is, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway. It's fair enough. Why not? It's your list. <laughs> it's your ladder. Go Tell us it. about your ladder. Hit us up on uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and let us know about your ladder with our list of films. Now I want to get into something very juicy. What is a scientific element of this film that you want to analyse, sorry? What is the science behind? One of the things that fascinated me this was regeneration. It's something that has interested me a lot, this oh. regeneration. And, and partially, I guess, sort of youth uh, though he didn't go into the whole becoming young, but can't we be like Wolverine and just slowly just regenerate? These, there are over time? just these questions of why do we or why can't we grow and and be in certain ways? And there are creatures which can regenerate. There's, yep. uh, the really famous one is the axolotl. Mm-hmm. It's famous because it can regenerate spine, limbs. Heart, skin, other organs. Wow! It's like, and it's a complex uh, vertebral creature. Yep. You got other things like uh, flatworms, which a little bit of its head can grow into a whole new body. Yeah. Uh, there's certain starfish where, so long as the this primary nervous system is maintained, yeah, it can it's regrow just... itself yeah. completely. Yeah. Afresh. Yeah, and they're amazing, but but they're kind of just blobby things. <laughs> They don't. Octopus regrows an arm, doesn't it? Yes, but they they're just like muscle. Like yeah, the difference is uh, an axolotl has a nervous system contained within a spine. Yeah, has bones with tendons and yeah. ligaments and segments. Yeah, and so forth. And yeah, I feel a bit sorry for some of these axolotls because there's been a lot of experimenting done on them. Yeah. For example, the question you've got to ask is, how often can it regenerate an arm? You chop off a leg and it grows back to a near perfect copy. Yeah. How many times can you keep chopping that arm off and mm. will it always grow back? Oh. And uh, yes, he's <laughs> the answer is five. <laughs> In case you're curious, apparently each time there's a little bit worse. And, uh, and then finally there's like this, you're starting to get star, scar tissue and things. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the axolotl also has another very interesting feature. Uh, Neo... Oh... Neo, 
it's a weird word. Yeah. What it means is they keep many of their youthful features. Right. So they retain their lungs. So you imagine a frog is in a tadpole state. Yeah. They have lungs. They're swimming around. They're little, little fish. Yep. But then they slowly grow arms and legs and the tail disappears. And then they have lungs and they're hopping around outside the water. Yep. They're entirely different from their um, fetal, you know, neonatal stage. Yes. Humans are a little bit in between. We retain a fair number of our youthful features, which is why we look like you know, our childhood photos. Yes. It's usually like you know, eyes, nose, sort of features that you know, look like that, whereas you compare that with other primates, they don't tend to keep much of their childhood features. Yeah. They, um, they lose them. Mm-hmm. And there's a thought that, that that might have something to do with it because humans do have some regeneration capabilities. We can regenerate skin. It yeah. grows back nicely. Our liver will regrow. It's not a complete regeneration because if we lose our liver, we don't get it. But it, what is it called? Uh, hyperplasia, which is if you've got a chunk of liver, yeah. it will grow uh, as it is used. Yes. So you can lose like up to a quarter of your liver or something. Yeah. And it'll regrow. Yeah. Uh, there's even the case that little fingertips, um, so long as you've got you know, the cells under your fingernails, yeah. are capable of regrowing into the fingertips, including like flesh and bone. The further down your hand you go, the worse, less, you know, you lose yeah, a finger, you, you've lost a finger. But if you skim off the top, yep. you can regrow a bit. Yeah. And interesting, at up to eight weeks old, a fetus can lose a limb. And regrow it. Of course, Ooh. at eight weeks, they're kind of blobby anyway. Not much there. <laughs> but the point is, we do grow from a fetus into a fully formed human. So yeah. the capability is in our body and our genetics to it be able be. to grow everything required for a human. Mm. Like it was there at some point. Yep. It turns off at some point. Right. And there's some part of our you know, evolutionary history which meant it was more advantageous to turn that stuff off than to keep it. Whereas yeah, the axolotl has evolved to keep most of that stuff. So mm. it grows as a little baby axolotl into an adult and it retains much of its growth capabilities. What's its environment? See, it lives in the water in, in Mexico. Right. It's a Mexican walking fish. Yes. They're beautiful little things with funny, weird, frilly gills and yeah. they look like a lizard but they don't have scales. They've got smooth skin and... So have they evolved like that because they fight each other and they always are losing limbs? I don't know. <laughs> it's such a violent I don't, I world. I didn't look into why they evolved <laughs> that way. Yeah, yeah. But they're an ancient species. Like yeah. They've been around like we split off from them 360 million years ago to become humans and they didn't change much after yeah. that. Yeah. They decided just, you know, they're pretty, pretty cool. good. They're pretty good. cool the way they are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. They're pretty way. badass. Yeah. And, I mean... There's no, there's no practical reason why we couldn't regenerate. Yep. And and the way the axolotl does it is, say you lose the tip of its hand, it first of all forms like a basically a, a scab over that and forms some skin over that, and then like all of these cells go there, and the cells around that area de-differentiate. So where it was. A particular bit of bone, it becomes a bone protocell, a cell like a stem cell, which can't turn into any other type of cell, but it can turn into any other type of bone, whether that be the hard outer bit or the inner bit or the end bit. Yeah, right. And then likewise, the skin and the muscles, it sort of 
they sort of become uh, juvenile cells yeah. again. And start then again. they start growing a sort of a, a fleshy lump. Yeah. And then inside that fleshy lump, the cells start to um, become specific again and reform. And it doesn't just reform like, uh, say, a gecko or a skink. A skink actually loses its tail. Yeah. The tail that grows back is not the same as the original tail. Right. Like there is scar tissue in there. It's more collagen. It's not a true birth tail. Yeah. It works as well. Yeah. But it, it is notably different when you examine it. Whereas an axolotl's regrown limb mm-hmm. is a very close copy. Yeah. And it has to do with their, their they don't scar, for example. Yeah. So they've got these um, phagocytes, which we do too. It's part of our immune system. Mm-hmm. It also breaks down scar tissue. Right. And in axolotls, they've got a lot of it. So they don't scar up. Yeah, right. It's really fascinating. So the idea is, and I was reading, oh man, I was reading Science Alert. Yeah. I can't remember. I I lost the reference to it. And so I apologize to the scientist here. But he was actually saying that it's quite likely that uh, not his current generation, but maybe one of his post doctorates, you know, his, his postgraduate doctoral students student might be the sort of one, that sort of time scale where yeah. we might crack a bit, bit of a code of how it all works. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean we'll be able to do it, Yeah, but that's sort of, they're getting into that area. They're able to get through the genome a bit more. And there is of course a talk of the idea. Well, we can, um, influence stem cells at the moment. We're just yes. at the very beginning of the understanding of how normal cells can turn into stem cells yeah. and how we can then control them. And the difficulty being is how do you, how does it know to turn into a hand? I mean, if you had your hand yeah. chopped off, yeah, you'd put a whole bunch of stem cells there, but how are they going to know to turn into a hand yeah. and not just a tentacle or <laughs> a foot or an eyeball yeah. or something like that? You know, so... It's it's quite confusing as to how all that works. Yeah. But as I said, we initially grow our hands from not having hands, mm. a pile of undifferentiated cells, which then yeah. followed some pattern to become... Yeah, yeah there must be some experiment. sort of recipe, right? Some sort of pattern. So the brother healing himself like that, I mean, he's using some sort of magical light thing. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe they're nanotechnology. Maybe he's got little robots in him that um, at all times operate and trigger stuff. But you could well imagine at some point in the future some limited level of being able to regenerate. Humans. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And wouldn't, and wouldn't that be amazing? You, you lose your leg. Could you imagine if it was a case where you break your leg mm. and it was actually easier to just grow a new one? Yeah, like they just chop it off. Yeah, and that'd be a great scene in a movie, wouldn't it? Like a fish out of water. So someone from present day yeah. witnesses like someone sprains their ankle. Ugh. And they just sort of put like a little <laughs> ring around there. They're going to just doop, and chops off the leg and the person's like, what have you done? Yeah. I sprained my ankle. You just chopped your leg off. Yeah. And then press the next button and then he's, <laughs> you know, and, and over the Frozen next sort of leg. four to six hours, they grow a whole new foot. Whole new and they foot. Go, yeah. There we go. And then they're off playing tennis the next day. Whereas yep. normally, trust me, I had sprained ankles. You, you're not playing tennis the next day. You, you've got to go to that front a few more days after that. Definitely. Yeah, that that would be fascinating. More fascinating if you could chop someone's head off and regrow it. I could really imagine, but like, and a, a modern day medicine where it's like, you know, you have yeah, the hospital and you have 
damaged, you know, you, you, you're constructing a kitchen or something, you've cut off your uh, hand and you rush into an emergency and this is like, oh, that's okay, you know, they do something to it, maybe put in some sort of vat thing to seal the end so you're not losing nerve damage and stuff. But then it's like, and then they in that vat, they could put this recipe, you know what I mean, yeah. with with the with uh, what is it like protein and nutrients and and then just from there the nerves start grow like, like it's instructed three D three D print your hand yeah like three D and it just sort of like you know you got this bag around your wrist and then like you know right in this day um, age you know maybe it takes a bit and then what happens is it's like maybe it's not quite it's it, you get the bone structure or the the muscles but then you've got to kind of Put the, like with burn victims, you got to put like lotion. It's got to put lotion on its skin. Yeah, you must put lotion on its skin <laughs> for a period. And that, but that lotion is like regenerative then skin. You know what I mean? So it's oh, like, it could be greasy solar atoms. Uh, yeah, that's right. And it's just like so kind of because again, like with a lot of these developments, you know, we're seeing in any scientific area. You know, I remember learning this when I was maybe like twenty or something, and it's really disappointing, isn't it? Because it's like what happened with NASA. It's like it needs money. Everything needs yeah. money. And so, like, you need to, like, have a commitment. So as soon as you start talking about regenerative thing, I'm thinking, well, cosmetic surgery, uh, you know, burns victims, oh, the huge cosmetic companies, you know, surely these guys would be interested Just go in around investing. chopping the legs off really rich people. Yeah. Just like, that's why we have so much, you know, work on heart disease and stroke because See, well, they're rich people's diseases that's right but also any of that you can go well yeah you know that yeah that's a worry but my wife wants to look young forever in her face so have you made anything that can make her face i want young, my so. wife to look young forever in her face <laughs> yeah you know, the rich the rich old she man doesn't like, mind you know yeah, but that's but that's it right so it's like the rich old man's like yeah, she's getting she i married a 30 year old and she's 31 this year she's getting a bit too old now you know? you're like, talking about you, tom cruise aren't you yeah, no <laughs> didn't he didn't he drop women when they reached 38 or something? Yeah, probably. Who knows? I can't remember. There's some magic age number where his wife seems it's Barney to stop being his wife mother, or something. You know? Oh, God, she's over 30. It's the elbows. You can always tell by the elbows. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've always wondered, though, what sort of society would we have if regeneration were easily possible? Like, like I said, you sprain your ankle, you chop your leg off. Um, you know, you have sports match. What was that one we are watching with the... Uh, surrogates yes yeah, they had the poster yeah. the footy poster yeah. where the guy was literally holding a decapitated yeah, head heads. yeah yeah because of course there are surrogates they're not really people yeah you, yeah, you yeah. can, you can rip a head off and yeah. so if you've got uh the capacity that almost any injury you can just be recovered from mm. yeah medicare well you get you don't want the medicare body you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that that comes back as a 50 year old surrogate. You know, like, yeah oh jeez but you are right. It's like how violent does society get? Because even like teenage kids could be like, yeah, well, my dad used to jump off the roof and have fun. I'm going to jump off, jump off a tower. Yeah. Because I can just like fix up my body, right? Yeah. It's not a problem. And I don't know how careless we These are the what ifs. Sorry, would these would are we the need to legislate speed limits anymore? Yeah. Who cares? You know, or is it just, just carry the insurance to pay for enough regenerations? Mm. And yeah, you, you, well, you, it goes if you back, slide off and hit a busload of people, that's okay. Yeah. Insurance covers that. It's exactly what you said on a different matter of like, if you could just create anything out of matter, which may be from like eating the pear, you know, like yeah. a Star Trek thing. Like if you can just create anything out of thin air, well, then there's no currency on it, is there? Yeah, but oddly enough, I have a feeling that we'd somehow still manage to screw people over. Yeah. Well, that's why that's what I meant. Like, 
when you were talking, I'm just thinking about the giant cosmetic companies, plastic surgery. I mean, that's where the money's in. You know? Oh, for sure. You know, they, like, well, initially, eventually it'll trickle. Eventually it trickles into the other things. But, yeah, and as you said, like, like in when surrogates, how there's the cheap bodies, there's the cheap version, isn't there? Cheap regenerations <laughs> where you, you come back. Ah, oh, and... I got six fingers. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we didn't promise five. <laughs> or it's just numb. It's like yeah. it's just floppy. Never works. But well, you've uh, got your hand back. It's healthy. It looks It looks like, like, a, like hand, a hand, but it yeah. just doesn't, you just can't use it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the nerves never really grew back. I did one of those, you know... Well, the, the, the I went to Thailand and did the surgery. Surgery, the surgery holiday, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And you say, oh, it's, you know, it's still cheap surgery in Thailand is still cheap surgery. Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, okay. In fact, it may be worse because it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. You're still going to pay top dollar in Thailand to get the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. So let us know what you th- you thought about the brother from another planet and what you thought about what we've talked about tonight from the brother from another planet. I was so grateful that Sean decided to pick this movie because as I said, I'd never seen it, hadn't heard of it. And it's been, it was, it was an educational experience. It was an enlightenment experience for me. It was, took me back to my childhood. It felt like uh, the eighties. Uh, the, the way the music and sound was yeah. used, the, the odd uh, angles on feet, like, yeah. like we said, it, but it's it was highlighted a number of times. Like when everyone was wearing shoes, you couldn't tell no. the brother from another planet from a brother from this planet. Yes, correct. Uh, and in fact, when the cop was chasing, you know, you couldn't you could see they had different shoes on, but yeah. you couldn't tell anything more about the people. No. And the music incorporated in the in all of the scenes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and the alien way things work. I'm so glad I've I've seen this movie. Yeah. And it, to be honest, it spins me out with Men in Black, and I, I never looked into it at all. Then did the Men in Black writer, etc., writers homage this, or did they take just inspiration from this? But there is a big similarity to those suited aliens to the Men in Black. It's a different version. Not saying it's the same at all, but there's a different version. But it's, it feels similar. Feels similar. It this does. idea of bounty alien bounty hunters. Yeah, but Will Smith suits. makes it look good. M- Will Smith makes it look cool. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, hit us up on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Basically, we're Space Brains, as you keep talking about, and I spoke about earlier. We have the domains. More is coming soon, so you'll be able to find us if you just Google us. Um, and please do let us know what you thought of thought about. The Brother from Another Planet. If you have not seen it, get it. Get a copy. Get on YouTube somewhere. Find it. Watch it. You'll have fun. And our next episode, sorry, is also from this little film festival. Our next episode, or is it our next episode? It is our next episode. Isn't next episode episode 50? No. Only 49. 49. Oh, she's my fuzzy brain. Yeah, this was 48 tonight. It is District 9. We're holding you at at a... Arms length there, aren't you, from your ear? The next episode is... District District 9. (laughs) So South African sci-fi. When this film came out and I saw it at the time, it just blew my socks off. It was all about the prawn. It was the bloody prawn one. Um, It's just, it's such an epic science fiction film. It really took on so much and it delivers. So go check it out before you come back to Space Brain's and listen to what we thought about District 9. I will see you on the flip side. Yeah, bye. Bye.